Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Well, it's going to happen, folks. Bob Knight is about to come out on the Assembly Hall floor. A historic day here at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my I brought up when I talked to them before the season started about their abilities to go through the season undefeated. And you're just wasting something here that, uh, that you'll remember forever. You guys want to make history. If you want to be the, one of the greatest teams of all time, you got 20 minutes to prove it. The basket is good. And Indiana is the national champion. Looky here, looky here. Bobby Knight just threw his chair. Clear across the free throw lane. And I think uh, Fred Unbelievable. Jackson. He picked up another tee. You can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world, but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench. Coach Bob Knight means so much to Indiana basketball. He took a chance on a kid out of Indianapolis. There's nothing that I more of during my life than having had the opportunity to coach young boys, teach them how to be men, and do it here. And I don't know how Steve feels about it, but it just and you don't have to bleep one single word of this. I've always really enjoyed the fans, and, and uh, I, I always will. You know, the, on, on my dying day, I will think about how great the fans at Indiana were. Fantastic montage there put together by Mark as we sit here on this Thursday. Obviously, a different show today as we remember Bobby Knight who passed away yesterday at 83. Welcome in. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Guys, we'll set up the show, uh, but for three hours or for the better part today, we'll remember, we'll reflect, and we'll dissect uh, what is no doubt a character and a, a shadow that looms large, not only over this state, but the sport that we love in college basketball. Bobby Knight passing away yesterday, and we'll react all day here on The Fan. KB, a very good morning to you. How are you today? Good morning. Yeah, absolute basketball icon, uh, a, a titan in the state of Indiana, and as I think you accurately said there, Andy, uh, certainly reached far, far greater pastors than just in our state, um, certainly thinking of you know his wife, Karen. Aaron and Tim and Pat Knight um, and their mother Nancy, uh, 83 years old, Bob Knight. And yeah, it's um, it, it just an absolutely uh, character of an individual, like you just said. I think that's probably a good way to describe it. There's so many layers to Bob Knight. Um, you know, what he meant for our state and the trickle down domino effect that we continue to see today uh, is probably hard to really quantify. 
Um, you know, you're going to hear from Quinn Buckner. You're going to hear from Matt Painter. You're going to hear from, you know, Gene Cady, Bob Costas. We're going to have a couple former players on throughout the show. Bob Hamill, one of his closest friends. Uh, we're hoping to have him on in the 8 o'clock hour as well. And, you know, a- Andy, there's a. I've always said that I love Notre Dame basketball. And people kind of look at me cross-eyed. And I'm like, I'd rather see a Notre Dame basketball <laughs> yeah, national I, I, title. By, by the way, I'm one of them. When you said that, I go, who's this guy? What does he mean? I'm like, you know Notre what? Dame basketball. I, I, I'd rather see a Notre Dame basketball title than <laughs> right. I would a Notre Dame football title. Don't get me wrong. I'd be very happy with the Notre Dame football sure. national title. And honestly, it's probably a Bob Knight presence of why I have Notre Dame basketball fandom more than Notre Dame football fandom because in this state, it's a great he point. created a religion. Sure he did. He created a religion on the hardwood. And again, the domino effect and the trickle-down effect you still feel today, whether that's through high school coaches that are still around in the state of Indiana, um, you know, offspring of his players playing in the state of Indiana. Oh, sure. Well, just his coaching tree. Sure. I mean, I'm looking at his coaching tree. I mean, there's six or seven guys who are prominent coaches, whether it be in the NBA or in college basketball today. Yeah, and again, no one like him. No one like him in terms of the success. You know, the, the, the three national titles spread across three different groups of players. It's not like you won three in a five-year span right. or something like that. It's you know, 76 and 81 and 87. You throw in the Olympic medal. I mean, hell, I, I know some people probably don't even want to go there, but what he did at Texas Tech was pretty darn amazing considering where Texas Tech was as a basketball program after that. Uh, and obviously, there was just so much with his style and his very complicated relationship with Indiana, probably some of his players. It's fair to say that as well. Um, certainly some sort of closure. I don't know if it was as much for him in 2020 when he went back there or if it was for the fan base. Um, but yeah, we're going to you know either play audio clips or share thoughts because again, Steve Alford, Damon Bailey, A.J. Guyton, Kirk Hastings, among others, um, they've shared their thoughts since his passing uh, last evening. So uh, hopefully you guys can... Uh, as best you can, enjoy the next couple hours with us and certainly all of our shows all day long as we reflect on a- absolutely one of the more iconic figures this state has ever seen. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll have Bob Hamill coming up at 8 o'clock. Jared Odell going to join us in the 9 o'clock. Tom Geyer going to join us also in the 9 o'clock hour. And then, you know, we were talking, texting back and forth last night in this morning. Uh, I don't think it's wrong. Let's open the phone lines to 239-1070, 317-239-1070. Um, you know, just so many people that are listening to us right now, whether it be their childhood, adulthood, you know, their kids growing up watching Bobby Knight remembering Bobby Knight people my age who love Bobby Knight who probably only saw Bobby Knight in the what the late 80s early 90s and only remember that Bobby Knight and of course what happened in 2000 what happened going to Texas Tech and then everything uh, after that you know you know, KB, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact date. Uh, you know, within the last year, everyone knows I did sports talk radio in the Louisville area for more than a decade, uh, and Denny Crum passed away. And Denny Crum, uh, the reason he was so vital to that area was he was their own. He put that program on the map, and then he stayed around. Now, he was different because he was around the program, and his players uh, were around the program, and there wasn't the beef, and there wasn't the drama and everything that Bobby Knight had for so very long, but the same is true here. There aren't many guys, whether it's men and women, in sports, hell, you can throw in politics or any other walk of life where a large group of people, where a university, where in this case, make no mistake about it, where the state of Indiana wraps 
their arms around and, and says, hey, he's our guy, right? There's not many like that. We understand Gene Cady has some of that. Denny Crum had that in the Louisville area. Joe B. Hall, who passed away within the last year and a half, had that in the Lexington in the Kentucky area after he followed Adolph Rupp there at UK. Uh, but Bobby Knight is like that on steroids. And what I mean by that is he is ours, right? Even through the imperfections, through the drama, through the winning, uh, through the titles, the Big Ten championships, through, by the way, we were talking about it as well. We're going to play some of the funny stuff. How can we do three hours today without Game Face? Yeah, you you can't <laughs> can tell do, the story without a few press no, conference clips. You, you can't tell the story. I mean, I've reached out. a golf lesson maybe oh, of golf Bob lesson. in the bunker? Oh my God. I mean, yeah, so we have all that in. Listen, we'll mix that funny stuff in, but there are, uh, there are only a few, and I don't even know, like, who the active ones would be. And that's a story for, you know, that's a a radio topic for a different, that's summer radio, if you will. Um, But Bobby Knight is a guy that is Indiana, that, uh, you know, he wrapped his arms around us, and a lot of people did so with him. And that's just not something you get uh, anymore. And on top of it, KB, and I want to get into this. You know, since he left, and it, showed with the hiring of Mike Woodson, you know, Indiana has been chasing Bobby Knight. Have they not? Have been chasing, hey, to bring in somebody from that era who understands what it was like playing for that guy and winning with that guy. Uh, And that's why when he came back, do you remember the baseball card? Do you remember him at the baseball game in 2019? Do you remember that? I think that was on a Sunday. He came back at an IU baseball game in April. I think it was April of 2019. And then the next year there, February 8th of 2020, you heard that in Mark's montage. Um, He's a legendary guy. You liked him. You hated him. Somewhere in between. Bobby Knight, though, passing away yesterday uh, at 83 years old. Definitely is going to resonate around this state for days to come. And and I do want to mention, Mark, tremendous work on that opening montage. I think we'll certainly probably lead off every hour with that one today. Um, Thank you. You know, when you look at the Bob Knight basketball coach, Andy, you know, it's the discipline it's the never even a hint of scandal, never a hint of cheating. Um, it was almost like he craved, we're going to do it the right way, and that's going to make it that much sweeter because I know insert coach here, insert program is here, insert program here is not doing it the right way. And honestly, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm getting a little too sappy with it. I almost, it's almost fitting in a way. In his last year on this earth, one of his former managers, leads a team to the Final Four. One of his former you know, Eastern Green's own mm-hmm. Dusty May from right there in that area. And what is that Florida Atlantic team? What was that Florida, Florida Atlantic team? Not a team filled with, obviously, NBA players, but they got the most out of each other. And Dusty May, being a former manager under Knight, being an Indiana kid, I think he'd label himself as a bit of an underdog, <laughs> rising through the coaching ranks, not born on third base, not gifted. You know, hey, you get these two lottery picks because you've got this connection to the university, this and that, and they go on a run here. And, and that's what those Knight teams were so about. The, 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 the stat that is also just beyond amazing to me is – Outside of Isaiah Thomas, you know, there aren't NBA All-Stars that he coached in Bloomington. And yet you were able to get 
you know, so much out of those teams on a pretty much an annual basis. And again, you spread out the titles from 76 and 81 to 87. Um, I always loved from afar the relationship of him and Gene Cady. I always thought that was a really kind of cool thing of as soon as that ball was tipped, they obviously wanted to absolutely just go at each other's throat, but then they could put their arms around each other. And I think we saw that honestly a lot here in the last, you know, half dozen years. Right. Of the few times we saw Bob Knight in public, often it was with Gene Cady. Because we, you don't get a lot of that. I, I mean, I followed like Calipari and Patino. And it was Those genuine. hated each other for a yeah. decade. And it was genuine. Right. And, and even the Digger Phelps relationship yep. was, was genuine as well. Um, so, yes, it just so many things, so many avenues that we can go down today. Um, and, and as Andy said, we'll have a couple former players on. Uh, you know, Jared Odell, the story of, of, of Odell I've always found an interesting one in that he wasn't even an Indiana All-Star. Like, can you imagine the outrage <laughs> today, of yeah. Indiana getting a commit that wasn't an Indiana All-Star? And lo and behold, as IU makes their run to the national title game in 2002, uh, obviously Odell stayed from Knight right. to Mike Davis. Such a o- pivotal player in all of that Odell that happened was such in a key cog. Yeah. Such a key cog in, in, in all of this. Um, so looking forward to that conversation. And then, as Andy said, Bob Hamill coming up at 8 o'clock. Uh, that relationship, and probably one that has spent the most time with Bob, here over the last couple of years uh, since he moved back from Lubbock. So plenty of audio to get to. We'll take your calls as well. 317-239-1070. All of those thoughts on it. Uh, I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton. And today, certainly looking back at one of the more iconic figures this state has ever and will ever see in Bob Knight. We'll be doing that all morning long here. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, so we'll do Morning Checkdowns. Obviously, we'll continue in those checkdowns to mix in Bobby Knight stuff. Bobby Knight passing away last night at the age of 83. The Pacers were getting ready, basically, uh, to play Quinn Buckner and Kristen Airy going on the air. And Buckner had some obviously heartfelt words to say about his former coach. Let's play some of that sound, Mark. There is nobody better to talk about Coach Knight and the relationship that he had is my partner, Quinn Buckner, who's also the president of the IU Board of Trustees. And uh, Quinn, a, a, a tough moment when we learned the passing of Coach Knight. Yeah, it really was. Um, and I'm, I'm just good, and I'll struggle. Thank you. He was a terrific man, first of all, despite all that other stuff. He, he really was a terrific guy. He's a great friend. Um, and the, the world lost a, a guy who was, he was a genius. They really understood life as well as basketball. And um, I, I feel quite privileged to be whatever I am because I had been in his presence at such an early age, and he helped me grow. And for all of the IU Nation, uh, I'm going to take privilege here and speak. He'll be dearly missed. Again, that was Quinn Buckner last night on the Bally Sports Telecast. We'll continue to play some audio from him. Uh, Bob Hamill going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock, one of uh, certainly Coach Knight's closest friends. Uh, so looking forward to that conversation here in a little bit. Uh, obviously, Quinn and Chris on the call last night. Uh, what is it? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything <laughs> Yeah, we at just all. Move, move on from that yeah. score. Yikes. I think um, Coach Knight would probably respect the venom I have right now towards maybe Bally Sports first and their continued issues. Um, I had a tweet last night that I think kind of covers it all of Bally Sports can kiss my 
you know, insert again, maybe a Coach Knight clip there uh, to finish off that that statement. Uh, as far as the Pacers product on the floor, maybe a good thing that we weren't able to watch for those that have the Bally Sports app last night. 155-104. That is not a misprint. Celtics absolutely dominate the Pacers. The second worst loss in franchise history. Andy, before the season started, said to you, Tyrese Halliburton cannot get hurt. I, 51 points is not just because Tyrese Halliburton yeah. cannot play. Boy, you weren't lying. But there is this just element of like when he is not out there, this is just... Last year we saw it. It was a totally different team, and obviously it's only been one game. But man, uh, to say they were scrambling for anything last night would be an understatement. Yeah, Boston, 44 points in the first quarter, 46 in the fourth quarter when the game's way out of reach. You know, the Pacers, 17 points in the third quarter, not going to cut it as well, doubled up in that quarter. They didn't win any quarter uh, last night, 155-104, disastrous last night for the Pacers. Uh, the World Series winners are the Texas Rangers for the first time in franchise history. The 50-1 to 1 odds at the start of the season. It is the Rangers. Corey Seager, his second World Series MVP. Last night, they win 3-1 in Game 5. 11-0 on the road in the postseason, the Texas Rangers. Just two years ago, they lost more than 100 games. And here they are uh, winning the World Series. Obviously, Bruce Boshi continues his Hall of Fame resume. Uh, just an incredible run through the postseason, particularly away from home for Texas. They beat the Arizona Diamondbacks four games to one. And again, last night, 3-1 in the clincher in Arizona. Yeah, quickly, uh, Juju Brent's not going to practice this week. You wrote about it. Any other notable notes we need to know from practice? And yeah, the, I mean, Brent Smith missing as well for the Colts. Obviously, no Juju. You know, we'll probably get a little bit more into that tomorrow on exactly what, how you're in scramble mode now at the cornerback position. I would say if you're trying to be optimistic about it, I don't think the Panthers have the wideout depth that the Saints do. Uh, but no Braden Smith. And, and today's going to be a huge practice day. The Colts actually just had a walkthrough yesterday. So. As Brayden Smith tries to get back in the lineup, today is going to be a big one for him. Uh, Dayo Adangbo also missed yesterday. I feel like he's a guy, Andy, that is starting to come on a little bit more from a defensive line standpoint. So uh, certainly he will be a name to watch as you're dealing with uh, no Grover Stewart right now. And Zaire Franklin did not practice. Now we saw Zaire in and out uh, just for a brief period. I guess he did go in the locker room. He technically didn't miss a ton of snaps on Sunday when he did leave the game. We never talked about how scary that injury looked, by the yeah. way. I mean, it was non-contact. I, th- I thought he blew out his knee. Well, and also, I I mean... Or something. Of the, whatever, 100 guys that go to a locker room over the course of the season, what, 90 of them stay in there and don't return to the game? 95 right. of them? He was I mean, back it's pretty quick. Very rare to see a guy come back into the game. He did meet the media yesterday, um, but it, certainly he's one to watch, uh, considering how vital he is uh, to the Colts. And I would think in a week like this, you're facing a rookie quarterback, you want your signal caller out there defensively so we'll continue to update you on that end as well obviously the focus today will be so much around bob knight and his legacy uh, coming up bob hamill at eight o'clock a few former players in the nine o'clock hour and jared odell and tom guyer on the other side matt painter had some thoughts last night purdue a moment of silence before their exhibition game with grace college we'll play that clip coming up next whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Gene Cady. Have you talked to Coach Knight at all? Now and then I do. I talk about things that uh, he likes to talk about and uh, sometimes it's political, sometimes it's about basketball, and sometimes it's just about stuff that uh, nobody would care about. And and each time you have to remind him you have a winning record against him, right? No, I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's uh, KB, that's from you and Jake talking yeah. to the great Gene Cady. One, one of those things, obviously, Bobby Knight as we continue uh, to remember Bobby Knight passing away yesterday at the age of 83. We have a ton of sound we're going to get to, but uh, obviously we want to get to some phone calls as well. 239-1070. I know Matt Painter spoke last night. Rick Carlisle, I thought, had a good quote on the passing of Bobby Knight as uh, the state mourns today as their favorite son passing away at 83 years old. Yeah, the um, we won't play this clip, but uh, you know, in true Notre Dame basketball nerd fact, I'm watching the Micah Shrewsbury press conference from last night after their exhibition game. He shared a story of uh, his uh, first year at Butler, and their staff is all Indiana guys. Brad Stevens, Terry Johnson, Matthew Graves, Darnell Archie, Micah Shrewsbury, and they're in the Great Alaska Shootout. (laughs) And it's Butler and Texas Tech in the championship game, and Mike is like, we are nervous as hell. Here we are, a bunch of Indiana guys, and we're facing Bob Knight, you know, in the championship game, this and that. And Knight comes out, you know, we all have seen the pregame handshake of, you know, one coaching staff meeting the other coaching staff at midquarter, you know, maybe walking by their bench. And certainly Knight had quite a few entrances in the day in that that setting um, that it certainly made for some must-see TV. And Shrewsbury said that Knight walked up and down that Butler bench and shook every one of their hands and knew all their names. And Micah said they all looked at each other like, oh my god! Like, how are we going to coach this Can game you believe in the next three minutes? That five yeah. dudes from the state of Indiana who all have all got into coaching, and here is Bob Knight. And, and, you know, think about those tournaments. It's not like Texas Tech and Butler, a game was planned for six months. You know, there's eight teams in those tournaments. Oh, you have sure. no idea. Yeah, you have no idea who you're going to play. How yeah. it's going to play out. So That's a know, great story. To me, I find it fitting right now in the state, you know, whether it's Purdue, whether it's Notre Dame, that both of these coaches obviously grew up playing high school basketball. Micah, growing up in Jeffersonville, and then playing at Cathedral, and obviously Matt, Matt Painter in the Muncie area. Um, I do want to play that Matt Painter clip because I think so often he provides such a great perspective in a way. It's similar to when we have Rick Carlisle on on Tuesdays. I don't think you get a lot of coach speak from that. Obviously, Matt had a close relationship with Bob Knight, certainly the Gene Cady connection. Here was Matt Painter last night on the passing of Bob Knight. Well, obviously, it's uh, you know a sad day, you know, with his passing. Um, I think everybody, especially in the Midwest, you know, that wanted to get into coaching, that wanted to. Uh, you know, just learn the game. Like, there, there isn't a book out there or a video out there that I haven't seen, you know, that he published, that he put out. And so, no different than, you know, those great clinicians like Hubie Brown and Larry Brown and those guys. They were obviously great coaches, um, but they also, you kind of see that with the world now. Like, they taught the world. Um, the other thing that I think he did from a basketball standpoint at Purdue is, you know, he made us better. You know, in competition and especially with rivalries, you know, you get everybody's best. And, you know, he always got Purdue's best. We, we knew, like when we played Indiana, like, you know, 
you know, you, ha you had to have your ducks in the row. Like, you know, it was it was going to be a great battle, but you also knew that they were always going to have a game, great game plan. They're always going to be prepared. Um, but that's what great coaches and great competition does. It, it makes other programs better. And I think he brought the best out of everybody in this league nationally. Um, and, you know, that was the standard. You know, they were the standard. And, you know, I think Coach Katie would totally agree with that in, in, in terms of having somebody that you, you, you have to constantly beat, whether it's in recruiting, whether they're in games, whether it's trying to win the Big Ten championship, whatever it might be, um, because they had so much success. But, um, you know, his knowledge of the game and uh, his understanding of the game and what he passed on to a lot of people, you know, you know made the game, you know, Pretty enjoyable to watch and obviously being in this state and having players and having access to players and then you know really you know building that and having such a you know uh, a dominating program you know I think Michigan states of the world and Ohio states and everybody would would really say the same things but um, you know he, he really affected the game and he affected a lot of people you know with his knowledge you know how great of a compliment is that, Andy, when you hear Matt Painter say, you know, he made us better. I mean, that to me is such a compliment on what Bob Knight built in Bloomington, how it impacted the greatest rival in the state, certainly how it impacted other Big Ten teams. And honestly, I think Matt Painter would tell you there are many core elements to Bob Knight coach teams that he has tried to implement and honestly has from the Big Ten success. I think Bob Knight would look at what Matt, Matt Painter has done at Purdue from a Big Ten standpoint and say, damn, that's in modern day, that's extremely impressive. The thing about Knight, too, that I feel like always – was something that you just don't see in modern college basketball is he didn't just talk about a student athlete. I felt like he kind of walked the student athlete life of the emphasizing of the student in that, whether it's graduation rates or, you know, I don't think we really realize how much he, you know, put back into IU's libraries from a financial standpoint and raising money there. Um, I think that was a big, big part of. You know, the Army background, the educational background to him, and certainly one of the huge, huge principles that he had with his teams there in uh, in Bloomington. You know, it's, it's crazy how many different directions we could go. Uh, reading up uh, from last night and just knowing and some of the stuff that, and again, Bob Hamill going to join us at 8 o'clock. There's that other side of Bobby Knight, and I, and I always find this interesting um, that he just didn't want you to know the other side of him, right? I mean, you mentioned the amount of money that he would put uh, into into fundraising and everything else. I remember this is many years ago, uh, and I can't even remember what I said, but it was you know Bobby Knight was in you know he was in the news. It was something centered around is he going to go back to Indiana, and he was still remember he did a string of interviews. Uh, this is well before 2019 when he showed up to the baseball game in Bloomington and then eventually going back in February of of, uh, of 2020. Which by the way, I, I want to dive into because if if you is there a moment? Let me ask you this. Is there a moment that tied an old part of a fan base and a new part of a fan base and everyone in between together 
more than Knight coming back in 2020 and having the players around him and ESPN was there. And remember the awkward kind of back and forth he had with Dick Vitale? Didn't Dick Vitale like touch Bobby Knight's hair or something? Bobby's like, nah, you're not doing that. Even though he was up in age, obviously, and, and we know that he was still ill. I mean, when you think of that moment I think, whether you liked Bobby Knight or not, I think, and I look at that moment, KB, and it tied together a young fan base that at IU, you could hear the college students chanting, Bobby, Bobby, an older segment of the fan base that was, you know, maybe 20 years old back in 1970s, in the 1980s, when Bobby was winning so many games and titles and everything else. Uh, And then kind of everything in between. The guys who are 35 years old, 40 years old, who maybe, yeah, we saw Bobby Knight, but we didn't see him in the 70s and 80s when he was truly the absolute best, when, you know, winning championships and everything else. I think that moment was kind of one of those moments. And again, you mentioned closure. I don't know, truly, if Bobby ever got closure to all of that. Yeah, that's probably fair. We may never know, but just that scene, I didn't think following this from afar, KB, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. I I, I didn't, and when he came back in 19 uh, and he was riding around on the golf course uh, at the IU baseball game, that was like, wait a minute, something's happened here, and and it has felt like, and again, 239-1070, I want to hear some from some fans today, It, it felt like that kind of brought everything together, and then you add on top of it You know, IU, whether you like it or not, has been chasing the shadow of Bobby Knight. Uh, and bringing in Mike Woodson. I, listen, I think Mike Woodson is a heck of a coach anyway. He didn't need to play for Bobby Knight or be close to Bobby Knight and be a friend with Bobby Knight uh, for me to think that. Uh, but to bring him in, you know, that's not, you know, it was, it's, you hear a lot, well, he's got to be a Michigan man. You got to get a guy who's an Indiana man who understands it. And seemingly the Hoosiers have found that as well as another layer of, I don't know if it's healing, but another layer to this story that they have found a damn good good coach, but they have found somebody who also understands and can carry that the positivity of the Bobby Knight legacy on there in Bloomington, and that's not something I thought they could do. They've struggled with that for so many years. I wanted to make sure that we shared a couple of former player comments as well. Um, Steve Alford last night, uh, the Indianapolis Star did a great job with all of their coverage. I encourage you to head to their website and read the variety of pieces that they have, but Steve Alford um, was contacted and, and, and Steve said that that he couldn't talk. He just felt like emotionally he couldn't make sure. it through a, a a phone call. But he did send a few text messages, and I'll relay those now. Again, this is from Steve Alford. Uh, he says, "I'm a mess." I could not get through a call. The man meant the world to me. I saw him about a month ago. It's all very sad. Bottom line, he made me a better man and player. He promised me that I would play with great teammates. We would have a chance to win championships. I would get my degree, and I would have a friend for life. Not only did he check those important boxes, he has done so much more for me. Again, that was Steve Alford, uh, Damon Bailey, um, also to the Indianapolis Star last night. I think for all the faults he may have had or was perceived to have had, the people who were closest to him, like his players, there were very few bad things that you heard. Obviously, the public and the media can think what they want. For those of us who played for Coach, we may not have always agreed with him, but he taught us a lot of life lessons through basketball. There are things that I do today that I learned 
from Coach Knight. I think all the complexities that some players even have with their relationship with Bob Knight, the he taught us lessons that you can apply to life through the game of basketball. I believe that's probably the most common theme that you hear, no matter the decade, no matter the team, no matter the style of player, whether it's Alford or whether it's a walk-on or a manager. Uh, that seems to be one of the continued themes that I hear, Andy, from people that have played for Bob Knight or certainly been around him. It is that. It is whether it's the discipline life lesson that probably is the one that we think about the most with Bob Knight-related teams, uh, but that's the one constant that I feel like we hear of through his teachings, through his coachings, there are still things that I apply to my daily life today. And I would I would argue, or I guess believe, that discipline would be atop that list. Uh, I thought those two quotes epitomized what former players would say about Bobby Knight, for the most part, right? And, and those two... Those two guys right there? Well, and, and those two... I don't know. I'm not saying they are on a Mount Rushmore, but when you talk about the state of Indiana... Their high school careers, Damon Bailey, hell, his junior high career, and what they either meant to this state or even how they played at Indiana. I mean, those two are right up there with you know whoever else, you know Buckner and and and, and Calbert and Isaiah Thomas and sure. whoever else you want to throw into that group. The fact that you've got two of them uh, in in Damon Bailey's case, obviously Southern Indiana, Steve Alford's case from Newcastle. Uh, those two really, really resonate. And, you know, obviously in both of their careers, Steve, much more prominent than, than Damon, went on to, uh, you know, have coaching careers. Uh, and, and Steve's still doing it today. Two three nine ten seventy. Want to take some calls. We'll get to those here in a second. I want to throw something your way, uh, stemming from those quotes. I want to see if you, if you agree with this. A lot is going to be made today tomorrow and going forward it has been made and by the way there are so many good pieces you mentioned the indianapolis star uh, mike DeCourcy of the sporting news he may join us tomorrow uh, he's had a great he's had a bunch of great stuff out there i know pat 40 rick bozich uh, guys that i've worked with in different markets they have followed bobby knight ever since uh, they were student reporters uh hell pat 40 would tell you this story bobby knight wanted to fight him uh after, after a post-game press conference uh and stuff with that so we can uh, you know i want to dive in i thought jb Billis had a great piece as well. You know, looking at Bobby Knight, I think it's fair to say that his legacy it perhaps is complicated. Is that, is that fair to oh, say? Okay, so yeah. and that's going to be one without of the main. Question. Yeah, that's going to be KB one of the main narratives that his legacy is complicated. Sure. Yeah, the obit but, doesn't get written without without the other everything. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and, and yeah. we need to play some of the some of the fun stuff he had because his press conference antics, and, like I mean, it's it's gold. It's stuff that sports radio has been playing for twenty five years. <laughs> I mean, it's the backbone. Yeah. I was playing it when I got into sports radio in two thousand six, and here we are in two thousand twenty three. Hear that? Yeah, we're <laughs> not going to recover, Greg Graham. Like I, 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 I we're vividly the, hear yeah, that. Yeah, we're playing the exact same stuff. So Mark's going to get a couple of those ready here, uh, and we'll take some calls. But his legacy perhaps is complicated but i almost don't think bobby knight is a complicated person if that makes any sense bobby knight wanted it his way he was going to coach his way and he was going to live his way and that's not complicated now i don't know why ultimately i was going to tell you the story you know i said something on air about bobby knight you know again bobby knight at times has been complicated i mean there's been good there's been bad we understand he has been the most gracious person he's been a bully um at times and i had someone reach out to me 
who is with their foundation, and, and gave me a list of things. With the Bob Knight uh, Foundation? Yeah, yeah, who worked with Bobby Knight in charitable acts. Uh, I won't say his name, but I, I did reach out to him. Um, he gave me a list. I always remember this. He gave me a list. He said, Andy, here's about 10 to 15 things that nobody has ever any idea that Bobby Knight has funded, that he's done, that he's put his name on, because when Bobby puts his name on, people want to give money to it, right? I mean, there, there are people that are saying, okay, if he is in on a particular um, whatever it may be, I want to be a part of that because I respect the man. Uh, and that probably did change the way uh, that I viewed Bobby for a number of years, but I'm not sure how complicated of a person he was. He was a hard ass. He wanted it his way. He was going to coach his way. And and like Steve Alford said, he was clear. You're going to work your ass off. I'm going to coach you. You're going to have a friend for life. And that's not complicated. He's telling you up front. He told these guys up front, here's what you're going to get out of me. Here's what you're going to get out of the program. Uh, and I think that's why so many, you mentioned Bailey, you mentioned Alford, and those two obviously on a Mount Rushmore. Um, I don't think that is complicated. I think his legacy is because there's a lot of good and there's the anger and there is some bad but I don't think he was a complicated person and I think you saw that by how much he won basketball games. Yeah, how you describe him is where it gets complicated because you can't do it succinctly. It's not just one tweet. Uh, you know, His greatness and his controversy makes it so difficult for us I think even to try and you know offer up here in a three hour period. Obviously the iconic clips um, you could get to say you could get in a YouTube <laughs> rabbit hole with Bob Knight clips would be the biggest Is he the best coach? Is he the best coach in at getting in a YouTube rabbit hole? Well, you, honestly. Obviously. Who, who would be second? I, <laughs> I it'd be a mashup know. of like Denny Green, Herman Edwards uh, you know, I'm trying to think of these other. The Jim Moore playoffs. Jim Moore playoffs. Yeah. Uh, the Coastal Carolina coach was talking about a dog or cat. Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy. Throw it a little Thank bit of you. Mike Gundy. Yeah. Uh, all of it mashed together. <laughs> that was Bob Knight. Uh, we are in the media profession Andy, correct? Yeah, well, supposedly yes. Mark, do you mind queuing up the sure. media clip of Bob Knight? Just remember when you're at a game and you see grass it's the opposite side of the ball but if you see hardwood out there it's the other end of the floor <laughs> try to help you young guys in this profession you've chosen it's one or two steps above prostitution <laughs> are we one or two steps above prostitution is that is that where we are honestly I don't think the pay is the same <laughs> that's yeah. for sure. I don't the pay or the pleasure to be totally honest with you oh, would man. be at yeah, that i don't know how pleasured i feel after a show level no, yeah after well, we, we do three hour honestly, radio show. I, i'm probably grateful that that you uh that don't, you just yes. say that uh we will take some calls again bob hamill coming up at eight o'clock certainly one of bob knight's closest friends um he's going to join us here bob hamill 87 years old wow good um, for him man dealing with some knee stuff so we're grateful for bob's time coming up at eight a few former players joining us in the nine o'clock hour uh j-law has been hanging with us certainly one of our diehard listeners j-law good morning man how you doing hey good morning guys um i was a student at iu from 81 to 86 uh and i tell you what he was larger than life on campus um the presence he had in a room uh I was among the first, he did a student lecture every year. And the first year was an alumni hall jam packed. But they moved it to the auditorium and had to give quote, sell tickets, even though they were free. And he sold that out every year. And it was all students. And just go hear him talk, life lessons, stories. 
And if you had the guts, you'd get up and ask a question, of course, which I did not. <laughs> better be a good question. Yeah, better not be a stupid, uninformed question. Oh, exactly. Uh, but, I mean, I t- I'm tell you why. I was, just, I was there for the chair-throwing thing, uh, the last game as a student I went to. Um, you, you take the bad with all the greatness and all the stuff Andy you're talking about the charitable stuff like with Landon when he got hurt yeah uh, it came to a side uh, there'll never be another one like it on or off the court no that uh, we lost a good one and as a punch to uh, who's your nation's soul J-Law thank you for that I think that's pretty well said there will never be and frankly there will never be anything I think close to like him and what he you know meant to again Bloomington the college basketball world um you know, J Law mentions eighty one, that team. Again, you know, obviously seventy six is a team that gets talked about so much for the undefeated season. But to have three titles spread out across, you know, a what is it, a eleven year period, you know, that's always something that stood out to me. Um of you know, even if you look at okay, the Patriots great run. You know, Brady was consistent throughout those runs. You know, when you win a title in seventy six and eighty one and eighty seven, I mean, look how difficult it is to make it through an NCAA tournament and obviously to do the undefeated season, um, but then to not have any you know roster um, guys that are around for multiple of those titles there to be spread out. I think that is one of you know his greatest attribute, greatest accomplishments as a head coach as well. I feel like we should play. It's about a minute, is it not, Mark? I feel like we should play February twenty third, nineteen eighty five. The chair incident. Should we play the chair incident? Dial it up. I mean, we might as well. Uh, it's historic. Now he did say in several interviews uh, that it has been grossly exaggerated. And you know what, Bobby Knight, I disagree with you <laughs> on that. You throwing an old uh, cafeteria chair yeah. across the floor. A very common scene it, that we it, yeah, see, right? It is something in nineteen eighty five when I was one year old. Old, okay, in 1985, this still resonates in 2023. And He's we got, got it right there. There's the T. Technical against the bench and against Bob Knight. Steve Reed, an excellent free throw shooter, will have the honor of shooting the technicals. Look at here. Look at here. <laughs> Bobby Knight just threw his chair clear across the free throw lane. <laughs> And I think uh, Fred Unbelievable. Jackson. <laughs> he picked up another tee. And Bob Knight is gone. Well, he came dressed to play golf. Maybe he's going to do it. Yeah. Right. We talked <laughs> earlier about the fact that he had his golfing attire on. Well, I'll tell you, that just kind of demonstrates the kind of year it's been over here. The, the the look on Steve Reed's face, I will never forget when he sees that chair flying by him. Obviously, Bob Knight's relationship with Ted Valentine would be oh, one God. that is pretty well documented. Yeah, well, yeah. He and by the way, he ain't the only one As who well, has a relationship. No, yeah, he's not. Uh, on the other side, Bob Hamill, obviously longtime, longtime sports editor for the Bloomington Herald Times, and certainly one of Bob Knight's closest friends. I think anytime you really saw Bob. In his later years, there was some sort of former player and or Bob Hamill very close by his side. Uh, the Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. He's going to join us next here. It is the wake-up call with KB and Andy on a Thursday. Uh, great stuff there. Memorializing, remembering, dissecting. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Reflecting on the life, the coaching life, and everything in between of Bobby Knight here on the fan. Uh, it is the wake up call, drivehubler.com studios. Reminder uh, Jared Odell going to join us in the nine o'clock hour. Tom Geyer as well. Uh, as we remember Bobby Knight, so many former players. You'll hear it, uh, whether it be on the fan or IBC, all day today. Well, that sound as we go uh, all morning and tomorrow morning as we continue. Uh, to react uh, the life and times of Bobby Knight, him passing away yesterday at 83 years old. Uh, let's get Bob Hamill on the hotline here. No one knows Bobby Knight better than he. Uh, Bob, obviously, the author of My Story, Hall of Famers. We welcome him here on the Payless Liquors hotline. Bob, good morning, sir. How are you? Well, still recovering a little bit, but uh, obviously it wasn't... Uh Shocking news, uh, Bob had declined severely over the last year, and uh, it had become just a matter of time. But uh, when that time came, it still was uh, was jarring, uh, as it is to listen to uh, those uh, uh, moments you uh, had on the air just a few, uh, in the last few seconds. Uh, uh, each of those carries a memory, and, uh, and he's at the center of those memories for is there a single memory when the news came out last night that uh, the night had passed that enters your mind being a friend uh, to him, uh, you know, obviously be next to him throughout so many years of his historic career? Is there one single memory that sticks out last night when you heard the news? Oh, uh, the obvious answer is a million memories, but... Uh, uh, one that was always special to me because it was it was just between the two of us uh, uh, when uh, they won the '76 championship. Uh, uh, there was a, a great deal. That was his first one, of course, and uh, uh, there was a great deal of uh, after game uh, explosion in the locker room. The, the friends coming in. John Havlicek was there. The, the whole ton of people that the. the uh, that uh, came to celebrate with him, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it took, took about an hour for all that to uh, subside, and finally we were ready to leave the Spectrum in uh, Philadelphia, and uh, they have a, a long row of stairs going down to the street, and uh, he was, or I was, I was one step ahead of him, and, and uh, uh, about halfway down, I. The thought occurred to me. And I turned around and said, "Oh, by the way, I had done this." <laughs> I said, "Oh, by the way, uh, congratulations!" Put a, put a hand out, and uh, he took the hand. And he looked, kind of looked over my shoulders. He said, "Thanks, but it should have been two. <laughs> Still hadn't given up on that seventy-five. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, it was so sincere. And uh, uh, the other memory of that is that, that he." Took off from there with Havlicek, not for a celebration, but to uh, to go to the hospital to see how Bobby Wilkerson was doing. Because he did recall in that uh, early minutes of that game, they lost uh, one of their very, very best players and jeopardized that season. But uh, uh, his, his first concern was his players, as it always was. Bob Hamill is with us here. Bob, we can't thank you enough for the time. I know how close you were with Coach Knight, so appreciate you spending a few minutes with us here and sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Um, obviously, you go back to you know when he was hired 
at Indiana, and, and I was hoping you could maybe take us back to the early 70s and, and either what the IU job, how it was maybe viewed at that time, and, and what the reaction was, because, you know, you know, Bob certainly had some chances to, you know, maybe go to other Big Ten schools. Um, so what do you recall about his hiring at Indiana in 71? Well, he was not uh, popularly known uh, among in coaching circles at that time. He, at the top level of the circles, uh, administrative roles, uh, he was quite well known because of what he had done at Army. Uh, but uh, uh, primarily, what he his success there was was uh, was just. Uh, a really strong defense. They were national defensive champions uh, two or three times in a row out there. But that meant they were giving up around 50 points a game and uh, and scoring not a whole lot more, which did not really (laughs) fit well with the uh, uh, first result in in the Midwest, and particularly Indiana. The the, 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 <laughs> Lou Watson was, was his predecessor. They, they became good friends, and uh, uh, Lou introduced him uh, at a luncheon one time as the, the guy who took the uh, hurry in out of the, the hurry in Hoosiers. <laughs> that wasn't altogether popular at the beginning. Uh, there, there were a lot of people that were, were up, upset about uh, this was much more concentrated, slowed down offense. Uh, very much like. Uh, they associated with Tony Hinkle. It was, it was uh, Tony became one of his, his early uh, confidants, and uh, uh, but he uh, uh, he got over that. Uh, there were times when uh, there was a game when they beat Kansas, and uh, late in the game, the score was something like fifty-one forty-seven, and they were, they were holding the ball, and, and uh, <laughs> a voice voice came out and he said, "We want a hundred. <laughs> You're talking a hundred cumulative, <laughs> and they kind of touched off some laughs, but but there was that that uh, kind of uh, sullen acceptance. Of, uh, this guy is winning, but uh, but but I, I, I like I like running. I like I like the high scores, and uh, uh, but he got over that up in his fourth game when he beat Adolph <laughs> Rupp at Kentucky nineteen eighty nine, and from there on it was downhill. <laughs> Again, Bob Hamill is with us here, longtime sports editor of the Bloomington Herald Times, member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, and we're uh, enjoying his thoughts here on this Thursday morning. Uh, Bob, what do you think uh, was Coach Knight's proudest accomplishment? I, I don't, I don't have any real question about that. It was, it was uh, graduating kids. Uh, his graduation rate was uh, was paramount to him because it, it uh, not only fulfilled what always was a recruiting promise. He recruited mothers. He didn't recruit the father. Well, the father was, was always excited about the basketball possibilities of the son. The mother wanted him to get a degree. <laughs> he went right straight to her and, and all, their, all the recruiting pitches saying, he will go to class. I'll guarantee you your son will go to class and he will come out of here with a degree. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and that, that won him a lot of kids. And, and it was sincere. He, he uh, he, he always thought that his primary role was as a teacher, and, uh, and that that included on the on the basketball court and in the, uh, in the classroom. He was he was always up to date on what other kids were going to class, whether they were how they were doing in the class. Uh, 
uh, and how they're doing toward their degree. It was it was not a phony facade at all. He uh, uh, sincerely cared about that, and and, and did he uh, continue that uh, concern about their family type welfare uh, for? From there on, whether he was always wanting to know how things were going, whether they could help in, the, in any way, and uh, I think that got across to their kids very strong. I think you, if you would talk to uh, to Mike Woodson or Gwen Buckner or any from the early era or any from the late, uh, it was always a matter of uh, what you're through here. Well, what can I do for you? Remembering Bobby Knight with the legendary Bob Hamill here on The Fan. Bob, why do you think uh, at times he didn't want other people, or he didn't want people to kind of see the other side of Bobby Knight, whether that be the charitable side or anything else? Why do you think that was the case? Well, you know, uh, (laughs) there may may be a a sort of protective, defensive side to that, he did so much that nobody knew about. But if if, if they didn't know about it, now now it becomes expected, and uh, and more comes on top of that. And, uh, it, I don't know that even entered his mind, but it was a, it was a reality that if, if people had known how much he did for for uh, in the way of uh, evening visits to hospitals, things of that nature. Uh, uh, can you imagine how he would have been bombarded? Sure, sure. <laughs> it, just, it just couldn't have worked. Uh, one of the striking things to me, one time uh, they were playing at Illinois. Uh, he, uh, we were all getting ready to leave. He said, are you, are you driving over or going over the bus with us? And I said, I'm driving. And he said, I'm going, I'll go with you. We didn't even get on the bus with his team to go to Illinois. And the reason he did it, once he got in the car, he commandeered the, uh, the route we went <laughs> instead of the normal route up to, uh, to hit 70 to, and just to go into Champaign, we went up to, to through Crawfordsville. And he had directions to a uh, nursing home. And uh, he, 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 he uh, and he got us to the nursing home, and he got out with a, with an arm full of uh, packages, and went into a, a, just for a birthday celebration for a, a, a lady in her eighties that he'd never met, but somebody told him about it was a big IU fan. He took her a sweater and some things. And, and what struck me, my mother was in a nursing home at the time, and that there is such an air of uh, uh, we're here to die. It's, it's, it's such a heavy. Uh, Sad uh, air in a, in, a, in a home like that, and uh, but, but when this man walked in, as, as he's going down the uh, the hallway to, to head for the room where there were, there was, the lady was, every door popped open and a smile came out. It was, what he did for that whole building was uh, by, by taking that time while he's preparing for a game <laughs> to, to think of one one fan that he never met. Uh, uh, that, that really struck me. It's a great story. Bob Hamill is with us, uh, 1966 to 1996, the sports editor of the Bloomington Herald Times, again, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, and certainly very close friend of Bob Knight. Bob, obviously his health was deteriorating, but when he returned to Assembly Hall in 2020, what, 
Why do you think ultimately that occurred? You know, obviously so many former players around him on that February afternoon, but what do you think well, kind of pushed him to that? That's altogether why it occurred, because uh, uh, because he cared so much for uh, what Quinn uh, Buckner wanted, what Randy Whitman wanted, what Isaiah Thomas wanted. Uh, uh, those those uh, players stayed very close to him always. Uh, uh and that that's showing up. That'll show up now, and it, but it showed up many, many times over the years when uh, uh, when those uh, even. But, but that was such a such a warm uh, moment because uh, you have to stop and think that the, probably half the people in there, being students and so forth, uh, had no idea really. Who this guy was, they'd heard of him, but uh, but that didn't have any particular direct uh, connection with the uh, with an IU that uh, represented Bob Knight. But uh, the, the way that, that, that crowd reacted was so genuinely warm that uh, uh, it, it was a special moment. And I, I'm really kind of glad it happened just once because uh, that that couldn't have been topped, and uh, the, there's no need to. Uh, uh, just seeing the deceleration, it shows us that that's, that arena still is, is, is Bob Knight's. Do you think Bob Knight got closure going back in 2020, Bob? And then did you think that would ever happen, uh, him going back to Assembly yeah. Hall? Did yeah. you think it, it was going to happen? In truth, uh, I don't think Bob got any closure because of... Uh, the ravages of Alzheimer's sure. taken their effect by then. He really had no no memory of that day, and uh, no. Uh, uh, it, it, it can't be uh, kind of deceivingly passed off as a, a, a great moment for him because I don't think he'd ever remembered it. I know mean, he didn't. I took, I took him there and took him home, and actually, that later that night we went up to Indianapolis, and the, the Pacers had covered uh, mm-hmm. both. Both Bob and uh, G. Katie, and uh, uh, those instances like that. I think he he had a job. You can see he participated uh, in in the uh, in calling the crowd for defense. Uh, that, that kind of thing. He was certainly into it at the moment. But it, 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 uh, Alzheimer's is such a vicious disease. It's just uh, it doesn't allow sentimentality. Bob Hamill with us. Bob, I, I have to ask because uh, whether it be guys like Rick Bozich or Pat Forty or some of these guys that I've worked with who follow Knight, uh, obviously not as long as you did or having the friendship, but they've always had uh, very good interactions and then they've had interactions where uh, Bobby was a little bit angry at him. What's the angriest Bob Knight was at you? Do you mind sharing? I'm sure he got angry at some point. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there were times, but you know, I... Uh, as I was watching things last night, it, uh, uh, the percentage of uh, play given to his temper just irritated me <laughs> because I know of the band. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he had a temper. Uh, uh, there was a great foot- football coach named Lombardi at the, that time that had, had a pretty good temper himself. And uh, it, it's uh, uh, I don't think his temper explosions, uh, including the, uh, uh, the chair, all of the, it was it was a Remarkably stupid thing to do, and he—he he certainly was a stupid man. But, but uh, 
I, I, I think that gets way too much play in, in, in comparison with the. Uh, with his contributions to people and to, to kids and to, to basketball, and, uh, it, it just, it just kind of ate at me as I watched uh, some of the shows last night. Uh, what, a, what a percentage was given to, to his temper? Uh, how about the, uh, the achievements, the, the moving a game of basketball forward the way he did? Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was on the other end of time. So, uh, I have been with my wife too, and I still love her. So. <laughs> Fair enough, Bob. We'll yeah. end with. We'll end with this, and and again, thank you for your time here on this Thursday morning. Um, His relationship with Gene Cady, that has always kind of struck me, and I don't know, maybe it's a unification of the state, if you will. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit there, but it seemed like there was just a genuine level of respect and and friendship, really, between those two. Um, How would you describe, and you share any stories between, you know, um, Coach Knight and Coach Cady? Well, I think think that really... Tightened when they were, when they weren't competing against each other. Uh, then they backed off and both realized how much they respected what the other guy did, and, uh, uh, because of their, well, how hard they were to beat. Uh, Gene Gene put a competitiveness in that series that uh, uh, none of his predecessors had been able to quite achieve. They were not to put them down. Uh, Fred Charles was an excellent coach, uh, uh, but. Uh, uh, such a fireball and he could get that crowd going so uh, that, that backing so uh, but, it, but it, and he brought his ten kids into Assembly Hall and, uh, and competed extremely hard and then you know, we, there was a point when we were all in our 80s <laughs> that the, the three of us uh, made five appearances around the state uh, to say the three of us because obviously it was the two of them and I was there to just to ask some questions but uh, uh but we appeared at the West Lafayette, Indianapolis, Carmel, the Carmel Lady of the uh, uh, Fort Wayne. Uh, uh, just about five different places and had great crowds at all of them. And, and they were mixed. They were, they were, at at uh, West Lafayette, of course, the Purdue crowd. It happened to be right around Bobby's birthday. And, uh, and the Purdue crowd saying, Happy birthday, dear Bobby. And they would do. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have ever imagined that? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and, it was, there was, and the one in Fort Wayne was primarily uh, uh, an IU group, and, uh, and that happened here on Katie's birthday, and they sang to Gene. So it, it was it was such a such a mellow moment to get the, those two on stage, and then people from both sides to uh, to, to realize what they'd. Uh, uh, what they had been privileged to watch over the years, though, that they complete the extreme competitiveness between two very, very good coaches, and uh, and, and yet the, uh, the fondness that was under the skin there between the two. Well, Bob, for myself, Kevin, and my co-host Andy, and I think all of our listeners, uh, thank you for spending some time with us here on this Thursday morning. I know how close you were with Coach Knight and your ability to share some of those stories with us. We greatly appreciate it. And best of health to you. Uh, enjoy the upcoming basketball season here. And uh, thank you so much for the time here. Thank you, Bob. Well, thank, thank you for, for what you're doing. I, I appreciate that very much on behalf of Bob and Karen and, uh, and, and, and Pat. Pat and, and, Darren and Pat have been just phenomenal through all this, and uh, uh, I'd appreciate prayers for them.
Of course. Thanks. That's Bob Hamill right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, Bob, longtime sports editor there in Bloomington, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. That story about the trip to Champaign, Andy, of stopping at the nursing home. And uh, I can only imagine what a car ride to uh, Illinois would look like with uh, with Bob Knight riding, uh, riding shotgun for you yeah. there. So uh, that'll be up on the podcast for those that uh, missed it. I don't know if you read Jay Billis' piece this morning. So Billis had a good relationship with him. And Billis. Sure. A little ESPN uh, relationship. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. try to get him on tomorrow. So Jay Billis, his relationship, you know, it's, you know, to me, they're like an odd couple, but they work together at ESPN. You know, Knight uh, covered games there and was on uh, many different games. And so Billis said, when you rode in a car with Bobby Knight, so I don't know if the same would have been true with Hamill back in the 70s and 80s, but, you know, now in, in the 90s and 2000s, when you rode with Bobby Knight in the car and he was driving... He never wore a seatbelt, KB. And so the alarm, you know, the seatbelt oh alarm, bing, 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 every, you know, seven seconds or whatever it is, kept going off. And, you know, he would ride like that for hours in the car. That does bing, not surprise bing, me, right? Bing, bing, like he didn't hear it uh, or, or anything <laughs> like that. I wanted to share as well, Russ Brown, uh, who covered Indiana, uh, he worked for the Louisville Courier-Journal. He had a story uh, that he put up, and, and Russ is Russ is a great guy. Um, he wrote here, uh, Russ Brown, I guess, asked a question. It was going to the opposing team's locker room. And Bobby Knight yelled at him, you know, hey, Russ, okay? And Russ turns around. And Russ is you know, a shorter guy. You'd have to beat him. Great guy. He says, I turned around, and before I could even know what was happening, I could see this gun, and I heard a shot. It was fired from a starter's pistol. Pistol. <laughs> Something that he aimed at uh, he aimed at a media member Russ Brown when he was covering one of the IU games, and I was thinking, yeah, you couldn't do that now. No, no, no. <laughs> well, do that. honestly, there's a lot of things that Bob Knight did that he couldn't even do back then. Oh goodness! Uh, let alone God what that would him. be now. Uh, certainly one of a kind, to say the least. I did want to relay a couple of these other comments. Again, we uh, uh, earlier shared Damon Bailey's thoughts. Steve Alford uh, played a Matt Painter clip. Uh, we've got some Quinn Buckner audio. Bob Costas, uh, we had him on earlier this year. Andy, I want to make sure we play that clip. You know, Certainly from a national sports historian, icon figure, Bob Costas is, is that. We'll, we'll play some audio coming up. Uh, but A.J. Guyton, Kirk Haston, uh, a couple of obviously great players at Indiana, uh, they shared a couple of comments on Twitter last night. This is from A.J. Guyton. My thoughts and prayers with the Knight family during this difficult time. The experience playing for Coach Knight is one I wouldn't trade for anything. I can say I definitely got the most hugs from him as a player. Rest now, Coach. Uh, A.J. Guyton had one of those iconic pictures of Knight. Yes, he did. Headlock yes, he did. Of, of A.J. Guyton on the sideline. And then this from Kirk Haston. Uh, Coach showed me the value of competing. He showed me what hard work really was. He showed me the door if I was lacking in either. And he showed us all how to succeed on more than just a basketball floor. Uh, that, to me, Andy, from Kirk Haston, I think is pretty well said. It gets back to kind of the life lessons, whether you knew it or not, and whether Bob Knight was maybe trying to or not. Discipline probably stands above the rest. But, again, that from Kirk Haston. Coach showed me the value of competing. He showed me what hard work really was. He showed me the door if I was lacking in either. And he showed us all how to succeed on more than just a basketball floor. Uh, well said uh, by Kirk Hayson. Quickly, uh, let's let's go to the phones. You want to do that, Mark? 239-1070. Robin's been hanging on a, a long time, has a story on Bobby Knight. Robin, good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. 
Um, so my story uh, comes from Mackey Arena, and my family are Purdue fans and had a friend that was a, an assistant coach. And the day of a Purdue game, we went up early. Um, and my my kids, my youngest was, I think, eight or nine. We lost him in Mackey Arena when we were all talking to friends. And he came out of of near the playing floor. And we were like, Alex, what are you doing? He goes, well, <laughs> Coach Knight just kicked me out of practice. And they were having a walkthrough or whatever. And so we were like, whoa, so what happened? And he said, well, he came over to me and he said, hey, you know, what are you doing? He was like, well, I'm a Purdue fan. I'm just watching. I just came in here and I'm watching you practice. And he goes, he was, he asked him who certain players were. And Alex, was. he was a sports person and still is to this day. And he told him players, he goes, who's, who's 22? And he goes, that's Damon Bailey. And then um, he, something he said, I think, was like, well, now, I, you said you like Purdue. And he goes, well, our 22 is better, which was Conzo Martin at the time. <laughs> and then um, he said, well, you said you're a Purdue fan, and, and I'll let you stay in here if you don't tell Coach Katie what we're doing. And he said, no, I, I'll tell him. And he goes, all right, you're out of here, Alex. <laughs> so we picked him out, That's and great. we were like, really, Alex, did this happen? You know, and, and, but we walked around Mackey a little bit later, and there were managers at every entrance into Mackey, into the, you know, into the gym, so that no little seven or eight-year-olds were going to come in after that. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> story. It's a great it story. Was really, it was a really good thing, a kind of a combination of how Coach Knight was kind to um, to Alex, very kind, and then his managers got in trouble for this little kid wandering in. <laughs> anyway, I love that. That's a great story. for the family, and um, it, it, you know, Matt Painter's right. He made our teams better. He made the rivalries better. He made it that he and Coach Katie made it fun and exciting. And uh, it's good. it's been missed. And you know, it's just sad that one of them's gone now. Thanks Thank you for letting me in, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Robin. It's a great story for that. I think that's really well said at the end as well. I mean, you circle whether it's the Tuesday night meeting in Bloomington this year, it's the Saturday meeting in West Lafayette, the two Saturday meetings last year. Yeah, I mean, it it, it matters. It, you you kind of block. You, you almost plan around your calendar a little bit oh, in the do. winter. Yeah. Um, when you see those games pop up, I didn't want to share this one from Doug. Doug texted me. Um, he goes, I remember as a kid, my father drove for Greyhound, and he transported the IU team to games and back. He goes, I got to sit in the very back of the bus, and I remember some of the rides home. Some were great, and of course, some were bad. You could tell how much Bob Knight loved his team, win or lose. He would just sit there after the players got off my dad's bus and have a chat with my dad for 20 to 30 minutes. Bob Knight liked my father so much that he requested him as his regular bus transporter, even after my father left Greyhound and went to a different company. He goes, just wanted to share that memory. RIP to Bob Knight. Can, can I, I need to say something. With Robin's son, Alex, has all sorts of moxie because 
as as a seven or an eight year old to stand up and say our twenty two is better than your twenty two. Yeah, I sure as hell know I wasn't doing that when I well, was seven or eight years old to Bobby Knight, who had to be just about as intimidating as anyone could be. I was gonna say, fortunately, <laughs> I think Conzo Martin could probably back well, that up, but still, I, I mean, yeah. yes, he was a very good player. Is there an element of you just swallow your pride there and say, I will not tell Coach Katie anything. I will no, happily sit I'll, in these seats, exactly. And, you know, tell my friends about it for years to come. As okay. a father of three, I'm learning that kids will say anything well, to anybody. Point. They have no filter. Fair so point. Fair point. Uh, what was the show? Kids say the darnest things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that would qualify as that. We'll continue to look back on Bob Knight. Again, thank you to Bob Hamill for the time this morning. Uh, 87 years old, by the way, Bob Hamill. So uh, really grateful that he took some time to join us. So that'll be up on the podcast. Uh, Jared Odell, Tom Geyer, a couple former Hoosiers that played for Coach Knight, uh, going to join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, we haven't had a lot of time to get to some other stuff in the sports world. Andy, why don't you lead off the morning checkdown? The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, the big news nationally, Rangers 5-0 over the Diamondbacks last night. Perfect on the road in the playoffs were the Texas Rangers. And for the first time in franchise history, uh, they bring home the hardware. Bruce Bochy uh, gets another title there. And they went out, what, two years ago. They lost over 100 games. They spent a lot of money. Uh, they developed some guys in 5-0 winners there over the Diamondbacks. They won that series in five. Every time I see the score from last night, Ugh. I think it is a misprint. 155. That was what the Pacers allowed to the Boston Celtics. They lose by 51 points. It's the second worst loss in franchise history. My anger at Bally Sports oh, about 7 p.m., Andy. KB, just don't do it. Uh, was n- through n- the roof. Not today. Uh, I-, I tweeted last night and. I- if you say with all due respect, you're allowed to say anything afterwards, isn't that right? <laughs> Usually, that's yeah. A Ricky, that's a Ricky Bobby mantra. Yeah, you get, yeah. You can get away with anything. Due respect. Uh, you're, you're good. You said it. Now you can go ahead and blast anybody. Go ahead. We've been bleeping the Bob Knight uh, comment throughout the morning montage. Am I allowed to say the oh. other word for butt on, yeah. Yeah, on the radio? You can say that. Bally yeah. Sports can kiss my ass. <laughs> Wait, you're chan- like KB's channeling his inner Bobby Knight today. I am. They, damn right you are. They can kiss my ass. Yes, Unbelievable. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. The utter incompetence that that company has. Uh, it continued last night with app issues for those abound. And 19.95 a month has gotten you zero Pacers games. Oh, what here do I do this week? What do fa- what do fans do? I mean, do we start promoting well, it, the European feeds, the Russian feeds? It, it, I mean, honestly, what do we do? It, it's honestly gotten to a point where, again, I know this is not necessarily a uh, the Pacers are directly at fault. But we need to hear from them. Like, we need a statement from the organization that has chosen to partner with them. And obviously, there are a lot of NBA teams, but we only care about the Pacers in this market. And, you know, I had someone from out of the market reach out and be like, hey, just buy a league pass. Well, those games will be blacked out would Yeah, the games will be blacked out. And what you're risking with that is if you have young sports fans, NBA fans, that are dealing with that, they might just all of a sudden say, hey, let's hop on board with insert team that actually get their games. If you buy League Pass, you can, of course, get out-of-market games. You aren't going to get the Pacers. Um, yeah, we need to hear. You're right. We need to hear from somebody because, yes. like, I have no idea if it's ever going to work again. Like, I, I know I say that and it sounds ridiculous, but it hasn't worked for the better part of a week now. Yeah, it is such a joke that we're dealing with and the lack of transparency. And again, it's a company that's bankrupt. So my expectations for Bally are low. My expectations for the Pacers are higher, particularly in this market, particularly when you have a team that 
was filled with intrigue. And less than a week ago, Andy, we're hearing all about the greatest ratings on opening night. So we hear about the good, but then when the bad happens, people run and Like, hot. I wonder if they're, like, because they're bankrupt and so I don't know how that changes their employees and everything. Like, are they being hacked? <laughs> that would be the like, go-to like, I would have. Like, have they been hacked to where they can't figure out what's going on? I don't know who would want to hack Bally's, which uh, sick individual would want to make sure people don't get their NHL and NBA games. But Poker, I'm like, I, like, I'm seriously asking, are they hacked? Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Like, I paid my money. I would I would love to to just watch and I'll just continue paying the months of twenty dollars a month. But I I kind of feel like the inner rebel in me is now like I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel this and I'll use my uh, radio uh, radio one uh, issued computer. It might get some viruses, but I'm gonna have to go full Russian feed here. KB, I'm gonna have to go to the Russian feed. Know, you understand? All, all these people are sending me you know these illegal sites to stream oh. from. I'm like that's not the point. The point is. Again, the incompetence that is Bally Sports. Five-game homestand, by the way, for the Pacers. <laughs> Which they better uh, win. It begins Ooh. tomorrow with the Cavs. That's a big one uh, when you think about just how you played. You've lost two already this week in Cleveland within the central You'll standings. be happy to know that Bally Sports help Twitter account says, <laughs> The issue has now been fixed. We genuinely, genuinely apologize for the inconvenience. We will keep working tonight to find solutions to this doesn't happen again. That Twitter account can kiss my ass as well. When do they say that got fixed? Was uh, that ten la- hours ago? Was that apparently. ten hours? So I guess at some point during the game. I mean, I gave up. Obviously, I just gave up. And plus, the Pacers were down forty points. Not good. <laughs> uh, Colts fifty points. Colts just had a walkthrough yesterday. Uh, Juju Brent's not going to practice though all week, so he's expected to miss a second straight game. Obviously, that is a big loss in the short short term. It's a big loss in the long term. We'll probably get into a little bit more tomorrow. But Andy, I think there are a couple of different options the Colts should explore for this week uh, in providing some sort of competence at corner. I guess the good news would be the Carolina Panthers are not very deep. At the wide receiver position. No, it's Thielen. Uh, it is Adam Thielen, and that's about it. So uh, that is certainly helpful looking ahead to Sunday. Other guys that did not practice, Braden Smith. So he, I mean, you talk about a big day for Braden Smith. I assume he practices, Andy, because if he were to miss Sunday, that would be four straight missed games, and that would yeah. just be injured reserve. If you were to put him on IR you know, back four weeks ago, uh, he'd be out for four weeks. You'd obviously have another roster spot. So I just based off assumption, you would yeah. think he practices today, but we'll see. Well, I mean, also, I think what it tells you is they didn't think it was going to be a four-week injury. That is, I mean, that's the that's worry. That's the worry well. here is they thought it would be a, a one, two, or three-week injury. There's multiple injuries. Right. A right wrist and a hip issue as well. Uh, Zaire Franklin did not practice. We saw him in and out on Sunday due to a knee injury. He didn't meet the media, so certainly something to keep an eye on. Zaire Franklin has not missed an NFL game in his six seasons. Dayo Adengbo also missed practice, and certainly he He's been an important piece, uh, especially with Grover Stewart out for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think I, anything else on your end? I don't know. I feel now like that's it. I mean, on the other end, we I want to play the Quinn Buckner sound again. Rick Carlisle spoke as well about the passing of Bobby Knight, Dane Fife, Tom Izzo. Can you we guys play the donkey bo- clip? Oh, let's play the donkey. How much? How much Mark, does it need to be beeped? I was gonna say, do I need to censor that in the break? <laughs> Mark, I sent that to you. You might have to check. It. We, we, yeah. we might need the Bob Knight beeping noise yeah. from uh, him not having his seatbelt on. So we'll see if we can play that. And continue to share your memories, our memories. And again, a couple former players coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Good Thursday morning to you. It, it looks like a nice morning. I think the temperature is supposed to rise a little bit here in Indy. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Legendary Bob Costas. You talk about polarizing figures in sports history, particularly in this state. I don't think there's anybody top the list more than Bob Knight. Your interactions with him on, off the camera, how would you describe that relationship. We had a very respectful, appreciative, and friendly relationship. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how Bob decided which members of the media he respected and didn't, uh, but we always got along very well. I think part of it was, you know, Bob was old school loyal about this stuff. It just so happened that in the early 80s, uh, I did the Big Ten Game of the Week, and the analyst on the games was Fred Taylor, who had been Bob's coach at Ohio State on teams that were very, very good. Um, Bob, I think, was the sixth man on those teams, but he was very loyal to his coach. And because of that connection, I think he um, had a fond view of me. And he was willing to sit for interviews with me, some of which were just reminiscing and telling good stories. And Bob could be a great storyteller. He had a sharp wit. Um, When I say had, he's receded from the public eye for the most part now. So I'm thinking back on on those moments. But also, Bob was willing to sit for some rather pointed questions. It was never antagonistic, but I tried to make it journalistic. And I think he appreciated that. He never, he never bristled at any of it. He'd state his case and maybe push back, but he understood that that was my job and he had his. And so we always have had a very good relationship. All right, there's Bob Costas. What last year on the fan here talking about Bobby Knight. It's the wake up call with KB and Andy. Good stuff from Mark uh, producing that. Obviously, uh, we've been talking about Bobby Knight today, passing away yesterday at the age of 83. KB, let me ask you this. You've covered a bunch of different coaches. Uh, I have as well. Would you have liked to have covered Bobby Knight in the heyday, knowing that at one point, yes, you could have been friendly with him? But he also could have crushed you. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Is that something all. you would have loved to have done? Yeah, I mean, if you can't like live with that, uh, I don't know, a little bit of humiliation. Uh, why, why get in the business? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, you want stories, you want entertaining figures, you want successful teams. Um, yeah, you got to tell the real story, and obviously, it was quite the story with Bob Knight. But yeah, hell yeah. Uh, you don't want some, you know, dull, bad product on a weekend, week out basis. That doesn't make for entertainment at all. Uh, so certainly, and well, he was not that. No, and you know, I am such a fan of the atmospheres, the arenas, the environments. Like you want to be in those moments. Um, you want to kind of feel what those arenas and the unscripted nature of it. You know, there's nothing like live sports, and there's nothing like. Um, being inside of a stadium or arena when you know that there is so much you know, climax about to happen, there's so much on the line, and obviously Bob Knight teams on a routine basis created so many of those moments, not just a rivalry with Purdue, but whether that was NCAA tournament related. I mean, Andy, we haven't even mentioned today the 1984 Olympics. Sure, and, I know, and, and what that was all about, and the winning of the gold medal, and you know Michael Jordan, and you know all those guys coming to Bloomington for the for the trials, and and to pick the team, and uh, you know, I mean, that was night very early on, saying well before. It's not like Michael Jordan was LeBron or Victor Webinyama hype, and saying very early on he's the greatest player I've ever seen. 
and then obviously how that played out. Um, I go back to that stat of Isaiah Thomas being his only NBA All-Star and just you know having an undefeated college season, a title in 76 to go with it, a title in 81, a title in 87, no overlap with those rosters. It's not like he was coaching a bunch of top 10 picks. It's not like you know he just had an NIL bag next to him just handing out money to get guys to come to Bloomington. Uh, yeah, certainly. You know, Indiana had won a couple national titles before his arrival, but this was not some, you know, Coach K passing the torch to John Shire. Sure. You know, that, 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 sure. That, that's not what Bob Knight arriving in Bloomington in the early 70s was. That, to me, just kind of adds to his greatness as a basketball coach. I'm interested if if you're having a son or daughter now, and this is for parents, and I thought about asking Bob Hamill this. I, I don't know, and some of these guys have lived through so much uh, with Bobby Knight. Um, but watching those teams, if you had a son or daughter now who is really into Indiana basketball, what would you tell them about Bobby Knight, right? And so the reason, and, and the only reason I bring that up is, you know, Bobby Knight is, you know, to me, he resonates. And one reason him coming back in 2000 was such a big deal is that resonated, KB, with how many generations of fans. Like in 2020, you had a student section of 20-year-olds who, who never saw Bobby Knight coach. Who never saw Bobby Knight coach in Indiana, right? Right. Who have no, right. who have yeah. no, who are living through YouTube and are living through their parents and are living through their grandparents on the and brink. cousins and season on a brink, uh, and who are living through that type of stuff. But he resonates with people in their twenties, in their thirties, in their forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties. I mean, Bob Hamill's eighty-seven years old, uh, and and has those Bobby Knight stories, and that moment connected an eighty-seven-year-old. In a 27-year-old. And there's just... Listen, for all the good and bad, there's just not a lot of that in sports. Now, you could argue that's the beauty of sports. But that's that also is, if you will, the beauty of Bob Knight. And talking with Hamill, I had forgotten how they went then to a Pacer game after. Yeah. How he and Katie, those three, went yeah. to a after Pacer game. After his return to Assembly Hall. After his return to Assembly Hall, which I didn't think was going to happen. And obviously, um, n- knowing where he was there with his illness uh, starting to set in and, and, and everything else. But just, you know, that's what I think of there's not many I said this to start the show today there are not many figures whether it be sports uh, in the political world even though now we hate our politicians for the most part that connect a state where a state or a massive group of people put their arms around a person and say this is our guy and Bobby Knight is squarely our guy when you talk about the state of Indiana we got to play the Jack the Donkey Club oh, let's go so this is in Jack reference to, uh, you know, his opinion on the Purdue mascot. Correct, Mark. Uh, do we uh, need yes. to bleep anything out? No, or no was bleeps. It, shockingly enough, shockingly clean. One of the few wow. iconic Bob Knight clips. And credit to Tim, he tweeted at us a little bit earlier. You could do a sixty-four clip bracket of Bob Knight mm-hmm. clips, and, and, and we should have done today. Sift our way to a Final Four. I would assume this one would make the Elite Eight or the Final Four. I would say all you need to know is that the he refers to Jack. It is a donkey, and just think of what another term for donkey is, right. and you'll get the joke. And again, Jack is on stage. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Uh, here is Jack the Donkey via Bob Knight. 
Bob, following our program last week, um, I know you issued an invitation with uh, uh, George King, the athletic director of Purdue, to appear on this show, and he refused to appear for one reason or another. I wouldn't know why. Uh, disappoints me a little bit, and I think probably you too. Well, I was really disappointed, uh, Chuck, that that uh, King chose not to come on the show because he had complained about our show and apparently didn't like it. And you know, you and I and all the guys here have worked pretty hard to see that we have a good show. And I thought that maybe he could just add something to it by coming down. He seemed to think that we wanted to enter into debate. I said, if I if I want to enter into debate with somebody, I'd enter into somebody that that really knew something about what he was talking. You know, I thought we'd just have George come down and talk about his career and coaching and so forth, and maybe would add something to our show. But I'll tell you what we got, though, Chuck. When I had a, a guy call me when he read that, that King wouldn't come on our TV show and, and told me that, uh, that he had a guest for us that if we'd like to use him would probably express the same kinds of views and so forth and, and be very, very uh, uh, symbolic of a lot of the, the thinking at, uh, at Purdue, and we're very fortunate to have him as our guest here on the show tonight, uh, today, I think, what, Chuck. What, what's his name? Well, uh, our guest is, uh, his first name is Jack, Chuck, and uh, he, uh, you know, I'll just let you figure out the last name, but uh, uh, we're very happy to have uh, have Jack here, and, and uh, Chuck, are there any questions that you'd like to ask Jack? Oh. <laughs> I think his presence is enough, Coach. I think that's enough. <laughs> well, I, I just think that that, uh, that Jack's being here, uh, coming all the way down for the show, and, and we've, we've tried to please everybody that watches us, and, and I think that uh, really wanna, we really want to thank uh, Jack. You want to get, let's get one more shot of Jack, because we appreciate very much him being on the show, and I think you're as grateful as I am to yes. have a guest of this caliber. Okay. <laughs> Bob Knight. <laughs> Jack the Donkey right there from Bob Knight. Honestly, if you just play coaches show clips, I mean, you got press conference clips, you got coaches show clips. Um, absolutely. God bless coaches there. shows. Like, even we even got oh. a Dabo Sweeney. Tyler what, from this Spartanburg week? Yeah, with I Dabo. Mean, like, carrying the torch on uh, yeah. in coaches shows. We need shows. coaches show to live forever. <laughs> yes, we need coaches shows without question. Can, can uh, you dig up Game Phase? I don't know how well it translates. That's my favorite one. Yeah, Game we'll do that on the other end. Is one that we definitely need I have to it here get if we to. want to play it real quick. like 10 seconds. Yeah, Go ahead and play seconds. it. In my entire adult life, I've never used the expression game face. So I have no <laughs> idea what it means or what you're supposed to <laughs> Him making the faces yeah. really makes this video. I don't know why that's my favorite. Yeah. It always has been. That is obviously an iconic one as well. All right, a couple former players. Uh, and Jared Odell, Tom Guy are going to join us coming up. In the 9 o'clock hour, we will get to a little bit more of Colts' conversation. Obviously, the Frank Reich storyline, one to watch. Coming up on Sunday, Mike K. from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, join us around 9.30. Thank you all for tuning in to the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy here as we look back on the life of Bob Knight. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
All right, short segment here. Reminder, coming up top of the hour, Jared Odell going to join us. Tom Geyer on the back end uh, of that. We'll continue to remember Bobby Knight passing away at 83. All the shows here on the fan and heck, even over on IBC are going to have all sorts of players and analysts remember uh, Bobby Knight as well. I'm sure we'll continue that tomorrow as a titan in not only college basketball, basketball, but what he meant uh, to the state in Indiana basketball as well. KB passing away yesterday at 83 years old. Yeah, and looking forward to the 9 o'clock hour. A couple former players coming up in Jared Odell and Tom Geyer. Again, we had Bob Hamill, you know, one of Bob's closest friends, uh, on with us earlier. So that'll be up on the podcast. Variety of clips as well. Mark made a tre- tremendous montage that you're going to hear in a few minutes. So uh, on the other side, Jared Odell, uh, former IU player. He's going to join us next here on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy remembering Bobby Knight. That's what we've been doing the first two hours of the show and we'll continue. Uh, JMV coming up at 3 o'clock. Query and Company coming up at noon. Uh, we'll continue all day today and I'm sure into tomorrow remembering the life and times of the great Bobby Knight passing away yesterday at 83. Uh, well, let's keep it going. Let's keep remembering. Let's keep ref- uh, reflecting. Jared Odell joins us here uh, on the fan as we continue the Bobby Knight conversation. Uh, Jared First of all, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. I guess, what were your emotions last night when the news came down that Bobby Knight passed away? Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, so I was actually, uh, it's kind of funny, I was sitting at my uh, two daughters' varsity basketball game, and it was about halftime, and, and one of the officials came out of the locker room, and um, I had looked at my phone or anything and uh, kind of informed me of what was going on. So I you know, told my mom and my dad and my wife was sitting there, and, um, you, you know, it's kind of, it was one of those where it was just a little bit surreal. Um, you knew he was getting, uh, health-wise, just going downhill a little bit, and, and I knew this summer he'd had some acute illness and, and things like that throughout the summer and um, y- you know it was one it's it's kind of a thing that sooner than later but you didn't ever expect it to actually happen and uh, just just takes you back a little bit pride of Swayze Indiana yes. Jared Odell obviously is a key figure on the national runner-up team in 02 joins us now Jared thank you for the time here on this Thursday morning I want to go back to your recruitment, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's unfair of me, but I, maybe you would admit you weren't this five star uh, <laughs> kid coming out of of Oak Hill High School. Um, what do you remember about you know Bob Knight's first interactions with you from a recruiting standpoint, or Indiana's first interaction with you? Yeah, and, and, and no offense taken, I was definitely not on, on that upper uh, echelon of, of players by any means. And, and I look back on it and what I accomplished and what my team accomplished at, at IU, I'm still, I don't know that I really belong there. I was just in the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, when Coach Knight started recruiting me, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've told the story several times. I was a Purdue fan. Um, where I grew up, you know, we're kind of agricultural around here, and Purdue was always where I spent a lot of time going to games. And um, when when Coach Knight started recruiting me, I was like, man, this this is pretty cool. And um, so I, I gave a fair shot to Purdue, and, and Coach Katie had no interest in me just because of the class he already had coming in. And I was perfectly fine with that. I committed to Coach Knight shortly after we met with him uh, in Bloomington the first time. Um, and he watched uh, me and Kyle Runyon play at, at Madison Grant. And I was honored. I was blessed. Um, I didn't quite understand back then why somebody of his stature would want to take uh, you know a, a skinny little uh, kid from Swayze, Indiana to play on his team. But 
very thankful he did, and, and I would do it all over in a heartbeat without a question. Did Knight know uh, of your, I guess, so-called allegiance to Purdue? And then you mentioned your parents at the game last night when you found out about Knight's passing. Uh, what are the memories as Knight, I guess, walks into the living room to recruit you with you and your family? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's actually um, so. So my recruiting story was a little bit different. I, I never took an official visit. Um, Coach Knight actually didn't come to the house, but he was at at that game against Mash and Grant. Um, Coach Dockage had came to a, a game a couple weeks before that as well. When uh, Runtin and I actually had a kind of a shootout on a Saturday morning, and so so like I said, my recruitment was a little different when we went down to Bloomington. We sat in Coach Knight's office after um, after a game, and that's when the the scholarship and the offer to, to play for him down there was was kind of given. And he said, "Don't you know? Don't make a decision tonight. You guys go home and talk about it." And um, that's when I then made my next trip to Purdue and, and realized. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to Purdue. I'm going to IU, and I committed. And um, coach was always always great to my parents. My mom has had some uh, uh, health issues over the years, so needed some special arrangements and stuff at games, and um, even the home games. She sat in a different section uh, than most parents did, so they were always accommodating to that. And you know that that's when you talk about Coach Knight. He's one of those guys that 99% of the people know him from seeing him in a press conference or on the side of the floor or you know in passing at, at an event or something like that but us that played for him worked for him managed for him we know a side of him that yeah can can be a little uh, of volatile at sometimes but for the most part, um, he would bend over backwards to make sure that he was developing you to, to be a better person in the long run. Again, Jared Odell is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline as we look back on Bob Knight. Appreciate Jared's time here. Um, how would you describe a Bob Knight practice, Jared? Uh, challenging. <laughs> Um, I, I can remember going to my first one, and that was back when we actually did the the Hoosier hysteria, where you actually you know started at midnight, and you know now they're all kind of show, and and um, you don't get a whole lot of work done in terms of basketball. But back then, man, it it was a brutal two and a half hour practice, three hour practice, and we went to Steak and Shake at three o'clock in the morning after my first one, and my legs cramped so bad I thought I'll never make it through here four years, and. Um, um, so, so, but that's that. You know, one thing I loved about Coach Knight is when you worked hard in practice and you were playing well, uh, practices were quick and and efficient. And so, as we got later in the season, um, one difference between Coach Davis and Coach Knight is Coach Knight would really wean those practices back to keep our legs fresh, and and we loved that as a player. I mean, you go in and put forty five hard minutes in, and you knew if you were good, you were going to be out of there and on to your next thing. So. Um, you know, practices were never easy. Uh, it, it was one of those, if, if you went to IU and, and thought that you were just going to kind of change Coach Knight or he was going to leave you alone in practice or that type of thing, you were sadly mistaken. And the guys that had ended up leaving our university to go somewhere else to play, that's what their mentality was, is uh, he's not going to treat me like that. And and that just wasn't the case when you played for Coach Knight. Was it right before your sophomore or junior? year that he got fired 
Uh, it was right before my junior year, so it was September of the junior year. Yeah. I guess as best you can, walk us through the summer leading into that junior year, the month of September. Obviously, the iconic Dunn Meadow image, I think, is what a lot of people think of at that IDS podium. And it was a St. Louis Cardinals shirt he had on, I feel like he was wearing. Uh, what do you recall about those summer months leading into through the zero tolerance and then his eventual firing and Mike Davis' is, is, uh, interim hiring? Yeah, th- those months were pretty normal, to be honest with you. I mean, normal workouts. Coach Knight wasn't around a lot in the summer. Um, you know, that's when he did a lot of his fishing and hunting with, with some of his, um, you know, buddies that he spent a lot of time with. And um, and he trusted the assistant coaches to make sure we were ready to go in the fall. And um, when all that started happening, I, I can still remember going to Assembly Hall that day, and there was so many news trucks in the parking lot when that happened, you knew two two things typically happened. One, Coach Knight was in trouble, or or two, something tragically happened on campus. And um, this one, when when we pulled in there, we just you kind of get that sinking feeling of man, this is not good. And and that just started that whirlwind of emotion uh, among the team and among the students and uh, you know the news media and, and things like that. And it just kind of snowballed in, into what it turned into. And um, that that evening, I don't think it was that evening. I think it was uh, either that evening or the next when we went to Coach Knight's house, and you know he kind of sat us all down and said, "Hey, you guys can make your own decision whether you want to stay here and play for the next coach or, or you know potentially go with me. I'll happily take any of you if you want to go with me." And you know we as a team just decided, "Hey, we're going to kind of play a little bit in Coach Knight's honor." And, and Indiana was where we committed, and we liked it there. And and that was a real really really tough evening for a lot of us as we made that decision I was gonna say that kind of leads into my next question do you remember having any thoughts about quitting transferring etc uh, I, I don't. Um, and again, going back to kind of the first comment that was, you know, in this interview was, I, it's not like I was an overly recruited uh, player that just had every option at his fingertips. And when I looked at that and, and the style of basketball at Indiana and, and kind of where my my you know frame and that type of thing fit in, I knew I was in the right spot. Um, the challenge with that is you had to have a different mindset going in of, hey, the next coach might not like the way I play. And and that was my challenge was was kind of sticking it out. And, you know, I spent a lot of time talking with my parents and, and uh, teammates and things like that. And, and at the end of the day, we signed a scholarship to play for Indiana University. Yeah, Coach Knight was a huge reason for that and probably the number one reason for that. But at the end of the day, I felt my allegiance um, was still with Indiana. And, and we didn't know where Coach Knight was going to land. You know, we didn't know if he was going to coach again. We didn't know uh, what the time frame was going to be. So it was there was a lot of questions up in the air that we just didn't have answers to. So that's that's kind of where we made that decision to stick it out. Jared Odell with us here on The Fan. And then you go a couple decades. Uh, you mentioned your team, obviously, runner-up in 2002 with Mike Davis and company. And then almost 20 years later, uh, the battle between uh, Bobby Knight and IU. He comes back in 2019 on, I believe it was a Sunday in April uh, to an IU baseball game, and then he's back there in Assembly Hall in 2020. What were your emotions seeing that? And then, you know, did you think he would ever come back to Assembly Hall and kind of make nice at least a little bit with IU? 
Yeah, I, I knew it would probably happen at some point. So when he came back to Bloomington, um, kind of in that 2019 time frame, again, I think that was a little bit of health issues, and, and the physicians felt like, you know, if he was back in his surroundings, um, it, it would be a, a little bit better for him. So Karen and his, his boys moved him um, back and got back to Bloomington, which everybody was, you know, super happy with. And, um, you know, him, him going to the baseball game first, that's a, that's a total coach night thing. Thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the way he worked. He liked to get kind of that buzz going a little bit, I think. And 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 when he finally came back, I wasn't able to make it uh, to down that that evening uh, due to my kids' sports. But um, I, I think when all the pieces aligned and and Pat and Tim felt like okay, hey, we're ready to do this. And Coach Woodson obviously was was a huge part of that with Kitchell and um, you know some of those guys and. Once the pieces aligned and the stars aligned, I think that's when everybody realized we need to make this happen as soon as possible. And I'm so thankful that they did. And and what a, what an honor to the the campus and the university and um, everything for Coach Knight to commit to come back like that. Jared, last one for me. And again, Jared Odell is with us. Obviously, played at IU. Um, was a key key part of that national runner up team. Appreciate his thoughts on the passing of Bob Knight from last evening. Uh, speaking of that national runner up, if it was me, I'd have it on an endless loop. When's the last time you've watched the Duke game? Uh, the Duke game. It, you know, it's so my daughters are uh, seventeen and fourteen, senior and freshman, and probably about the only time I watch them is when they're they're watching Big Ten Network or on YouTube, and it pops up. Um, I'll be honest with you, I still to this day have not really watched much of the Maryland game, uh, and, and it's simply because it still stings so bad this many years beyond. Uh, great teaching point. My my daughter lost a, a very close sectional volleyball game that. She, you know, was her last game and just heartbroken. And and I said, well, I didn't score in the national championship game. I missed a couple bunny layups. I played like crap. You know, I said, there's always bigger stages where it doesn't go the way you think it should go. And and, um, so it's I still keep in touch with a lot of those guys and and a lot of the managers. And when, when events happen like what happened yesterday, that just brings all that flood of emotion back with with how many great memories we put together and uh, just man, my time at IU uh, is just something I'll cherish forever and and especially the time with Coach Knight and uh, what he gave to me and my family to give me the opportunities to to be successful in life or or I, I could never say thank you enough to his family as well. Well, you don't need me to tell you this, but without you having 15-5 and five in that Sweet 16 game, there is no Maryland game. So certainly, as best you can, I know the competitor and you probably can't go there, but don't forget about that either. For sure, yep. And, and like you say, it's you know it's full circle. I'm in my mid-40s now, and I'm trying to teach both my daughters to fight through injuries and <laughs> deal with bad losses. And, and uh, I was texting one of their coaches last night, and, and I said, hey, he, he you know, kind of gave me condolences for Coach Knight passing, and I said, hey, everything I scream at their games is stuff I learned from Coach Knight. So, you know, so, and, and I'm out of the coaching world for now, so I, I don't get to do it on the sidelines, so I got to do it from the stands a little bit. You said you have last one for me, Jared Odell with us here on the fan. You have a 17 and 14 year old. I don't know if there's a, a 17 and 14 year old out there that, that aren't your children. What would you say to them if they're Indiana fans, what Bobby Knight meant, not only to the school, the university, the team, uh, but the state of Indiana? 
Uh, real simple, to be honest with you. He did it the right way. And as, as, as we're raising kids and, and, you know, our society's obviously in, in some weird spots with some things and, and that, I think doing it the right way and always having the, the best interest of the person that's involved at your heart and core is – uh, what's going to get you in the right place. And, and that's what Coach Knight always, you know, some people agree, disagree with how he did it. But at the end of the day, I have no doubt that Coach Knight wanted the best for me. And, and that might have been in basketball or job or raising a family or whatever it might have been. There's not a player that stepped on his court, a manager, an assistant coach, that I, I truly don't feel that Coach Knight did it the right way to make sure that we were going to be, be successful in life. And I know it's a cliche, but at the end of the day, that is literally what he lived and died by. Jared, can't thank you enough. That perspective, obviously, Andy and I cannot provide. So we greatly appreciate you joining us here on this Thursday morning. Best to your daughters moving forward. Best to, your, to, to yourself as well. And uh, thank you so much for everything you shared. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. As always, great to hear from you, and uh, congrats with all you got going as well. Thank you. That is Jared Odell right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. That was great stuff. Uh, very unique. Yeah. You know, Andy, we talked about it kind of lead off the show. Um, you know, Not even Indian All-Star. Bob Knight obviously sees something. His staff sees something in him to be, you know, I say this about Matt Painter team so often. I feel like they have so many puzzle pieces that fit. And Odell, with what he turned into in his career in Bloomington, that I think was what Bob Knight had of, you know, you're ultimately putting a puzzle together. It's not go out and get three five stars and and see how that's going to work out. Uh, that doesn't get the best team. And I think if there's a quality about Bob Knight teams, you would say on a very routine basis, he got the most out of them. And, and someone like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, no, no gonna, you're, you're spot on. And I someone, was going to say Odell was that for them of, you know, he wasn't, Jared Jeffries or, you know, insert whoever else. You know, I guess A.J. Guyton would have been at the tail end when he got there, uh, but obviously a very important piece uh, for a team that uh, got to the national title game. Yeah, I mean, and Odell is, and his teammates in that era, I mean, they lived, (laughs) I mean, they lived quite a time there in Bloomington from, you know, joining Bobby Knight and being there in, what, 1998. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm looking at Odell, even though he wasn't highly recruited, obviously, but being there and then all of the drama around Bobby Knight and then you have the, no, you know, zero tolerance, if you will, and then he's gone. And it's one of those things as well. You know, KB, he's talking. He's like, we arrived and there were TV cameras everywhere and we either knew that something tragically bad had happened on campus or, hey, this ain't good for the future of Bobby Knight. And just imagine entering that not knowing. I right. mean, today's day right. and age, players find out about their coaches being fired on social media. Well, I mean, all the emotions <laughs> of you going to Bob Knight's house then and, you know, the conflict of, okay, are we staying? Are we going? Well, you know, we're going to have Tom Geyer on here to end the show. I mean, he's a guy that that decided to leave and, and, yeah, and didn't, sure. didn't want to continue. Um, so, yeah, I, I can only imagine what that was like for a 19, 20-year-old kid uh, growing up in the state of Indiana. Yeah, to make such a big decision. Now, there's one thing, and we'll get to a morning check down here in a second. There is one thing that we haven't got to with Bobby Knight. Night school. Do you remember that on ESPN? School. Do you, Vaguely. Do you, do you remember that? It was back in, 
Oh goodness! It was back in I think 2006. ESPN had the the night the documentary series where someone could be a walk on on the Texas Tech team. Ah, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. There's like six, Gosh. seven episodes. Night I totally school. forgot that. That's something I I remember like back then thinking I can't believe he's doing this. I, I, and he actually did it. I mentioned this very briefly earlier. Tyler Hoff, uh, Hoffsmeyer, by the way. Sorry, go ahead. Hoffsmeyer. Texas Tech made four NCAA tournaments in the seven years yeah. Bob Knight was there. They had made, you had to go back 25 years before his arrival to find four NCAA tournament. I mean, it, it, like what he did there, I mean, that obviously is not the national title, the, the undefeated 16. seasons, yeah, the Olympic gold medal, but what he did there was darn impressive. Uh, last night, again, uh, you had the Indiana women playing an exhibition game. They obviously had a moment of silence. Uh, Purdue, their men's team, had an exhibition game as well. They had a moment of silence. And I think the Matt Painter clip, if you don't mind, cue that up again, Mark. Um, I think Matt Painter offers great, great perspective. And he he puts it into such eloquent words. And obviously, he was a guy that probably a little bit different. Honestly, it's probably similar to Jared Odell in that he grew up an Indiana Mm -hmm. fan. And ultimately, it was was Purdue. Um, And certainly from Gene Cady's relationship, and how you look at a Matt Painter coach team right now, I think you can find some direct similarities to how we view kind of Bob Knight coach teams as well. Here was Matt Painter last night on the passing of Bob Knight. Well, obviously, it's uh, you know a sad day, you know, with his passing. Um, I think everybody, especially in the Midwest, you know, that wanted to get into coaching, that wanted to, uh, you know, just learn the game. Like there, there isn't a book out there or a video out there that I haven't seen you know, that he published, that he put out. And so no different than, you know, those great clinicians like Hubie Brown and Larry Brown and those guys. They were obviously great coaches, um, but they also, you kind of see that with the world now, like they taught the world. Um, The other thing that I think he did from a basketball standpoint at Purdue is, you know, he made us better. You know, in competition, and especially with rivalries, you know, you get everybody's best. And, you know, he always got Purdue's best. We, we knew, like, when we played Indiana, like, you know, you, know, you, ha- you had to have your ducks in the row. Like, you know, it was, it was going to be a great battle, but you also knew that they were always going to have a game, great game plan. They're always going to be prepared. Um, but that's what great coaches and great competition does. It, it makes other programs better. And I think he brought the best out of everybody in this league nationally. <laughs> Um, and, you know, that was the standard. You know, they were the standard. And, you know, I think Coach Katie would totally agree with that in, in, in terms of having somebody that you, you, you have to constantly beat, whether it's in recruiting, whether they're in games, whether it's trying to win the Big Ten championship, whatever it might be, um, because they had so much success. But, um, you know, his knowledge of the game, and uh, his understanding of the game and what he passed on to a lot of people, you know, you know, made the game, you know, pretty enjoyable to watch. And obviously being in this state and having players and having access to players and then, you know, really, you know, building that and having such a, you know, uh, a dominating program. You know, I think Michigan states of the world and Ohio states and everybody would, would really say the same things. But, um, you know, he, he really affected the game and he affected a lot of people, you know, with his knowledge. 
Great stuff last night uh, from Matt Painter. I know they had, what, the moment of silence where they played Grace College, I believe. Is that uh-huh. who they played? Uh, did Purdue. Yeah, that was again last night, Matt Painter, after that game. All right, uh, we're still going to get to Tom Geyer, former Indiana player. Under Bob Knight, he's going to join us to close it out. We will talk to Mike Kay on the other side from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, Colts and Panthers coming up on Sunday. Obviously, the Frank Reich storyline. So we'll get a little look at that here uh, before we get back into the IU conversation. Uh, before all that, let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Yeah, 5 nothing. That was the score last night. Winners in five games. The Texas Rangers get their first World Series. Uh, good for them. Again, you had the Diamondbacks in six, I believe, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. I did yeah, have that. You fell yeah, in love with uh-huh. Arizona, but it's okay. From 102 losses a couple years ago, what a rapid rebuild. Again, 5 nothing. your final. They won every single game on the road, which is freak show stuff. The Rangers, your World Series champ. Congratulations. Mark says we've got to keep it short with a couple of guests. That's good news because that means we don't have to talk about the Pacers. 51-point losers last night. Absolutely pathetic, embarrassing performance. The second-worst loss in franchise history. Tyrese Halliburton did not play. That does not mean you lose by 51. Uh, Also, I think it's fair to say the Boston Celtics are very good at basketball, and they should be the favorite to win it all. Five-game homestand now upcoming for the Pacers. That begins tomorrow night with Cleveland. Yeah, quickly, the Colts. uh, You heard about this on the website, 1075thefan.com. Juju Brent's not practicing this week. Brain Smith uh, looking like he may not be in as well. Anything else we need to know for the Colts? Uh, yeah, today's a big day. day. Today. Today's a big day. We'll see if Brain Smith practices. Yesterday was just a walkthrough, but they listed him as a did not participate. Zaire Franklin, Dio Dangbo also were did not participate. So, again, two practices this week. Colts uh, kind of ramping it back a little bit as they have <clears throat> a long start to the season until their bye week upcoming here in a few weeks. And on the other side, we'll talk more about the Colts and Panthers and the matchup with Frank Reich. We'll do that next with Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer. I will talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I forgot all about that. I really did. That's a good job by Mark Dighton. You're doing good today, Mark. Look Mar- at you. Mark's on Earning it. that paycheck today. He's not messing around. Uh, great stuff from Jared Odell, Bob Hamill, remembering Bobby Knight. You miss any of that, find it on the Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com. Reminder, JMV, he's got you at 3, Query and Company at noon today. Between that and IBC, uh, going to be tons of reaction on the passing of Bobby Knight. Tom Geyer going to join us here uh, in the next 15 minutes or so. All right, let's talk some Panther football. Mike Kay joins us uh, from the Observer there in Charlotte. Mike, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm well. How are you guys? Uh, man, we're fantastic. Getting ready for uh, what I think is a stopping the bleeding type game for the Colts. The Panthers coming off their first win of the year. We have all the Frank Reich stuff. I guess let's start there. Do you think Frank Reich is, has locked himself in his office this week? He's saying all the right things, but I'm not sure I believe him. I mean, I, I think I, I think anytime you go to a former employer and want to prove yourself, it's going to be a big deal. He is a guy, though, that I think 
has been through a bunch of those sort of situations, having been around the league as much as he has. He was also, uh, you know, I know people outside probably don't remember this, but he was the first quarterback in Panthers history, uh, and they played against Atlanta in that first game. And week one, his first game as a head coach, he went there as the head coach of the, of, of the Panthers against Atlanta. There, there were all these things that were kind of like bubbling around. I don't think it's a huge deal to him, but I think when he gets in the moment, it'll be a big deal. Yeah, I would agree. Just listening to his press conferences and knowing, frankly, the little that I do, uh, that would be my takeaway as well. Again, Mike K from the Charlotte Observer with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Mike did um, – I, I part of me doesn't even want to go back to January in the head coaching search, but did Carolina interview Shane Steichen at all? Yes, they did. It was a virtual interview. Got it, got it, got it. And uh, I'm trying to think of who the other finalist was with Frank. There was like another rumored – It was Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. That's right. That's right. Um, why did Frank give up play calling duties? That was obviously something that he, you know, continued throughout his time here. I don't know if there was an ever a great debate over it. Certainly, Nick Sirianni moved on from here and you know did play calling, but then gave them up midway through his first year. Why did Frank give that up a few weeks ago? Well, I think it's a pretty similar situation. I actually covered Nick and the Eagles at that time, um, so I, I mean, Frank kind of always had the mindset of, hey, I'm going to eventually give this up. Uh, I think he gave it up probably sooner than he would have liked because I think if they were 4-2 and two and putting up 28 points a game, uh, he probably wouldn't have given it up. But I think eventually it was always going to go to Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown's maybe the most impressive guy in the building. Uh, really sharp guy, former running back. Knows kind of what how to call the modern game. He was also an offensive coordinator in college, so he can relate to younger players. I I just think something had to give. This was the easy card to play in his pocket. How would you describe the rookie season for Bryce Young? You know, from afar, it seems to be a ton of completions, a lot of stuff underneath. Uh, Protecting him has certainly been a question, and I guess a little bit better play than we saw from earlier in the season. I mean, I think it's it's gradual improvement. I think he is his early returns are kind of the product of the environment around him. Outside of Adam Thielen, wide receivers are really struggling to get open. Uh, the tight end position is not played well, especially compared to how Frank Reich's used it in the past. The offensive line has regressed considerably after being a very run-heavy unit uh, last year. I mean, I think they overestimated their personnel, and I think that that's and Young's kind of paid for it. I think Young, when when you see him make off-schedule throws, he looks like Bama Bryce. When he is, you know, flustered in the pocket and constantly facing pressure and doesn't know where to go, he struggles. And I think you saw that early on in the season. But I think the last three games, he's really kind of climbed uh, from, a, from a growth standpoint. And I think this past game, he put together a really special performance. I know you only see 15 points, but he led four scoring drives, and every single one of them, he had an impressive throw or two. Um, I think he's starting to see the field a little bit better, and I think his maturity and ability to go back to guys after they make mistakes is also really, uh, you know, a comforting feeling for a coaching staff. Which side did you come down to? Mike K with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We're talking some Panther football. Uh, what did you make of the scuttle a couple weeks ago where 
it kind of sounded like Frank Reich maybe didn't want Bryce Young. Uh, and, there, you know, the ownership there group, they did want Bryce Young. Uh, am I reading too much into that? And then as a second question, do you think Bryce Young is due kind of a breakout game? And if so, could that happen on Sunday? I mean, I think Frank was honest. He liked all three guys. Um, maybe he had one preferentially over the other, but I think he was all in on all of them. I think that was kind of the the chatter, at least during the draft when I was in Indianapolis at the Combine. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, ownership was involved. I mean, we saw them sit in on dinners with uh, everybody, like everyone, all, all four quarterbacks who were considered the potential top four. Um, look, I, I think Thomas Brown was very much invested in Bryce Young. I think, you know, he was a guy that a lot of people felt was safe uh, because of his production and his processing ability and his intelligence. I, I think eventually everybody was on the same page when this this happened, whether there was a preference early on or not. Um, and so I do think it's somewhat overblown and kind of not necessarily unfair, but I think, like, in our personal lives, we could like a certain brand of ice cream, but, you know, if we get another brand of ice cream, it's not like we, we don't want it. You know what I mean? Um, sure. Depends on the ice cream, to be fair. <laughs> right. No, I totally agree. You know, I'm a big Rocky Road guy. I oh, yeah. Need yeah. to screw that up. Uh, but anyway, um, as far as Bryce breaking out, yeah, I mean, look, you look at the defensive numbers of this Colts team, I think they can attack the secondary pretty well. I, I, I know, um, you know, the Colts had a, a, a disaster kind of in the secondary in this past game, which affected their uh, you know, passing numbers, but they're also allowing the most points per game in the league. I mean, you know, Bryce Young's faced some of those types of teams that have kind of had passing struggles and not delivered. But I think coming off this game against the Texans, who were only uh, allowing 18.8 points a game, obviously they fell below that average. I think he can work with what he has now against a team that's struggling against the pass. Why has Miles Sanders been, uh, I guess, in a slump, non-effective? What the hell's going on with him after that career year and signing the big deal there in Carolina in the offseason? What's going on? Not to be funny, but I'm sure you watched a lot of Eagles tape when Shane Steichen was hired, right? What do they have on that offensive line? Yeah, everything. Um, you know, so he has struggled. Again, I covered the Eagles for four years. Uh, the first year, My last year was the first year of Sirianni. And you can just see that there were vision issues. I, I covered him, Miles, his first three years in Philly. Uh, they've kind of popped up, but the fumbling issues have been a problem. He's fumbled twice in two major games and two major moments in losses. Um, and, you know, honestly, Chuba Hubbard, Hubbard's played significantly better than him as a north to south runner. And I, I just think, again, something had to give. There needed to be some level of accountability. And, you know, right Starting 0-6, there had to be changes. Again, Mike K., Charlotte Observer, with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Mike, last one. Um, I guess you've kind of hinted at the weakness would be the offensive line. Uh, if you boil it down to a strength and a weakness, you go an O-line weakness, and the strength would be what? Um, I would say the strength is probably Adam Thielen. So if you're covering him in the slot, you better know that you're in for a long day. I mean, he has gotten open. Now, he's not a speed guy anymore. Uh, never really truly was. I mean, he was fast, but his technique on routes, he's getting open. He knows how to beat every single aspect of zone coverage. Um, 
you know, Bryce Young is enamored with throwing to him, and I think if you can't slow Adam Thielen down, you're going to have a really rough day. Okay, Mike K's Twitter profile, fond of dad jokes, fullbacks, <laughs> and Foo Fighters. I can certainly get behind some Foo Fighters. I I think every NFL team should have a fullback, and the NFL should require fullbacks to be on the field for 20 plays a game. What's your best dad joke? Oh, no. Oh, oh no, you're putting me on the spot, man. This is I, why did I sign up for this? So uh, Matt, I, I'll give you a little background <laughs> while you think. Uh, Matt Taylor, the radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts, who you'll see in the press box coming up on Sunday, um, he has a book of dad jokes that one time when he filled in with us, um, he literally brought out the book and read them. Uh, I am a golfer, Mike, so maybe I'll, I'll throw one at you while you think, okay? Um, all right. Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Why? In case they get a hole in one. <laughs> oh man! I, I right, just now I can't. Now I okay. So now I'm gonna have to look at the book in the press box and call back next week. Like, I, there's no way I can top that. <laughs> God, I'm a little disappointed, Mike. I thought you know we we are three with all of us here in studio. Fathers, Mark, our producer, father of three, myself, father of two, Andy, a new father. I was really hope you were, you, you were gonna come out with some five star dad joke. Hey, Mike. Uh, hey, what does a baby computer call his father? Data. What? Oh, he da- oh. <laughs> looked like. See, I said I. I'm fond of the dad jokes. I'm not a great dad joke. Okay, fair. Yeah, so, I should have. I should have read. You're a Phillies fan I too. Read the technicality in it, Mike. You a Phillies? It's, it's you a Phillies all, fan? It's all in the context. Are you a Phillies fan? I'm reading here on your. Uh, I am. Oh boy, yeah. Uh, it's been it's been a tough twenty four hours. Yeah, well, you'll get over it. He really needs the book of dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, he after, really does. Come on, Matt Taylor. One. Come on, Maytay. Mike, Look him up. Great stuff. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, we look forward to Sunday. Although four oh five, not sure if this game qualifies for that time <laughs> slot, but nonetheless, Colts and Panthers coming up on Sunday. Thanks for having me. That's Mike K right there, Payless Lickers. Hotline on the other side, back into Bob Knight and looking back on his life. Former player Tom Geyer. He joins us next. All right, the great Gene Candy talking about the great uh, Bobby Knight. We've had a lot of that. Any other show that you miss, 1075thefan.com. Download the app wherever you find podcasts. You can do that as well. Obviously, reacting all morning uh, to the news last night. The great Bobby Knight passing uh, away at the age of 83. One of his former players, Tom Geyer, joins us up uh, next on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tom, good morning, sir. How are you? I am good. I'm doing okay. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you so much uh, for carving some time out for us. I know it's kind of a a general or a generic question, but the news comes down last night uh, and you find out the passing of Coach Knight. What were your emotions when you found out that news? A lot of sadness. A lot of sadness, but also, you know, you go through uh, a lot of good memories uh, for me in particular, spending almost eight and some odd years with him, um, both in, in Bloomington and down in Lubbock, and go through, this, the, you know, just a lot of fondness for what um, has occurred and, and appreciation for the fact that I was a part of it. So. Again, Tom Geyer's with us here, uh, I believe, out in Colorado. Is that right, Tom? That is, yes. A little cold this morning in Colorado, but yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I can imagine. Well, thank you very much for waking up with us and sharing some some thoughts. Uh, let's go back to Lawrence North, if you don't mind, and just uh, you, how you viewed Bob Knight and the IU program growing up uh, and how you ended up in Bloomington. 
Well, I, you know, growing up, I had, uh, especially at Lawrence North, a ton of respect for both uh, the North Carolina program, Dean Smith with Eric Montross having gone there, and then also in the Indiana program with Coach Knight and uh, Todd Leary had been there, both former Lawrence North players. Uh, you know, as my time at Lawrence North went on and, and there was an interest from Indiana, um, every Indiana kid's dream, I mean, the opportunity to play for, for coach was uh, something I wasn't going to pass up. And, um, you, you know, to the extent I was pretty good at baseball back then and got drafted out of high school. And even my baseball coach in high school was like, no, you're, you're going to go play basketball in Indiana. Uh, I don't care how good you are at baseball. It's, this is Indiana. You can play basketball. So wonderful. How would you describe? We had Jared Odell on earlier, so I asked him the, the, this question. How would you describe a Bob Knight practice? I would describe it as intense, efficient. Um, you know, no nonsense. Very organized and with lots of purpose. It, and it's interesting because I got to see it both from the side of being a player, and then as a grad assistant at Texas Tech, and you know. He would write these practice plans on these three by five post-its, uh, post-it cards, and it, it, he, he would have maybe two to three words. But those two to three words, you know, were good for twenty to thirty minutes of what he wanted to do. But they were just mental notes for what to do. But the efficiency and his ability to teach something so complicated and make it simple was. Uh, it was incredible. It was something I was actually thinking about this morning. That just you know his ability to teach was is probably one of his greatest gifts. Tom Geyer with us here on the fan. A couple more minutes as we talk about the passing of Bobby Knight at the age of eighty three. You mentioned spending time in Lubbock with him. How was he different? Was he different from his time in Bloomington uh, to a couple years later going to Lubbock and Texas Tech? I don't know if I would say different. I think there was. Um, you know, there was down in Lubbock. There's, it's not the pressure cooker, if you will, sure. that Indiana basketball is. And so, I think the the thing that I appreciated, and I think you know, coach appreciated too, is that first year there, midway through the year, when those kids kind of started to believe that, hey, you know, we're not so bad. We're 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 a decent basketball team. You know, we were nine and nineteen the year before, and uh, we, we can be good. And I think the ability. So see those kids achieve was something that it was an expectation in Indiana, which is obviously a great thing, uh, but also the ability to see those kids come through uh, from something they weren't good and take on teams like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and, and all of that when we started the Big 12 season uh, that first year in Lubbock was, uh, I think it was just different. I, I don't know that it's better or worse, it's just different. Ellen so. uh, Product, Tom Geyer, played it at Indiana for Bob Knight uh, before moving on to Texas Tech. Um, Tom, as best you can, could you kind of walk us through that summer of 2020 into the month of September? Um, I think many times, you know, you were kind of uh, spokesperson is the right word um, for the team throughout all that kind of turmoil and uncertainty with it. And then you decided to not continue with Mike Davis and Indiana after the Bob Knight firing. Uh, could you walk us through why you did that and just your general emotions during that time? Oh, wow. Uh, it's just hard in a couple of minutes, but, um, you know, I think, I, I think it all for me started the Mother's Day weekend. There was a uh, meeting amongst the board of trustees and the university in Indianapolis. And that kind of started us on down the road to September 10th of, of 2000 when ultimately coach was fired. Um, 
It was difficult. You know, it was very difficult. I, I, I think um, I, I look back at my teammates, and we were all put in a very interesting position as, uh, you know, really still kids trying to learn to become men at that point in our lives. Um, and the emotions for me were wide-ranging. Um, ultimately, I made the decision to not stay at Indiana. I had just my love for coach and the way things went down, it was it, it just wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I have so much respect for the guys who did stay. And, you know, they did a great job, obviously took the university to a final four the next year. Um, super proud of, of Kirk Haston and uh, Jared Ole and Dane Fife and those guys uh, staying there. And it, it was hard though. It, it definitely had an impact on friendships and, and, uh, and an impact on my life for many years. So, you know, going back on February 8th, of 2020 was uh, was an incredible uh, healing experience, I think, um, for a lot of us. Um, and so it's just the beautiful thing to get to go back to Assembly Hall and kind of have that closure uh, moment with those guys. What was it about Coach Knight that, you know, a kid from Lawrence North High School all of a sudden says, hey, I'm coming to Lubbock, Texas with you? <laughs> well, the thing that I appreciated about him is that he was there was a lot of discipline. It was hard, but he was fair, and I just loved the way he went about doing things and trying to accomplish greatness. Um, and I, my, I just had such a huge amount of respect for Coach. I, I thought, and, and I really, for me, I thought we had a great chance to have a great team in Indiana and make another run. And obviously those kids did. Um, but, you know, Coach was my guy. And he's that was where my loyalty was. I mean, I, the Knight family has been incredibly great to me. Um, I was clearly not the best player, even one of the – not even close to being anywhere near the best player in Indiana. But Coach uh, did so much for my family, Karen, Pat, and Tim – um, you know, my obviously thoughts and prayers go out to them today, but they, they were just incredibly good to my family. And, you know, that's the part that people don't know about coach. And even as the guy down towards the end of the bench, hanging out with Norm Ellenberger, um, he was, yeah, he just did so much for my family. So Tom, great stuff. I know it's early for you and I'm sure a range of emotions as well. So really appreciate you taking some time to join us here. And um, I I know I speak for Andy and I and our listeners. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You have a great day, okay? That's Tom Geyer right there. Again, played Indiana. uh, Late 90s right there at the year 2000. Then followed uh, Bob Knight to Lubbock. So to him, to Jared Odell, to Bob Hamill, uh, Andy can't thank all of those uh, people enough for just providing perspective that you and I cannot do. Yeah, and all day here on The Fan, uh, coming up in noon, Query and Company, JMV at 3 and then IBC, going to be a lot of former players, coaches, and everything else uh, funneling through a lot of sound, a lot of funny sound uh, from Bobby Knight and obviously everyone remembering. Uh, as I said to begin the show, there's not many guys that an entire state kind of wrap their arms around and say, this is our guy, and there's no doubt everyone is feeling that with Bobby Knight's passing last night at the age of 83. But you have a great Thursday, and our station will have you covered all throughout the day as we look back on the life of Bob Knight. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.